and hello and welcome to DNG Critical Football Podcast. Uh, this is the June special, this is the Euro build-up special, so Euro 2016 and uh, welcome. That introduction was the um, official uh, song for FIFA, um, for, sorry for UEFA for the uh, Euro 2016. Uh, whether you like it or not, I don't know but uh, we thought we'd start with that instead but fear not our transition music has been away but it will be back soon uh, so it's Stefan Hagen speaking here thank you to use surnames and uh, Portelli so say hello Portelli uh, hello that, I've got a bit of an announcement to make Stefan um, I don't really want to talk to you about football anymore and do you know why it's because you don't have a high enough reputation rating for me to be worthy to talk to you with because that's how it works, right? You've got to have a certain reputation rating to get picked for an England squad, for example, or picked for a particular team to sign for. So I'm going to apply the same. I don't want to talk to you anymore about football. You don't have a high enough reputation rating. Okay, uh, pod over. That was that was quick. <laughs> okay, now there's very much a, a point to that, right? Um, yes, it links to this um, player I, was, I um, want, to, want to tell you all about. Um, he's called Daniele Drinkweiser. Have you heard of him? No. Well, he's a, he's a guy who um, played in the domestic league, um, was one of the main uh, major players in a team that won the league. Um, so you'd think... Sounds German. They're sounds, cultured, sounds German. right? They're yeah, cultured. A very, cult- a very, very cultured player, actually. And so given that he was one of the... Pivot- oh, yeah, I think I've heard of him. Yeah, now you say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, do you have? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Very much pivotal in him winning, winning his league. Um, so... I would assume he'd be in the Germany squad for the World Cup, wouldn't you agree, for the Euros? Well, if, yeah, I mean, you said that they won the league and that, and he's been a really good player for the year, so I reckon that most nations would pick someone like that, right? I think so. I mean, yeah, I, I, would, I would imagine so, right? I mean, what nation wouldn't? It must be a really, really amazing football nation that, that, would, that he would not get in their team. Yeah, I mean, you know, surely he'd uh, get in in front of average players, you know, like players who are average but play for big clubs but have had very average seasons or barely played you think like I don't know Henderson or Wilshire well yeah but this guy isn't English though so if he was English I would imagine I would imagine he would be but he's not English so we can't pick him shame really isn't it yeah I mean that's this is you know, we'll get to the point okay <laughs> so there's a very um, you know obvious reason I hope you find that we, we had that conversation and that is quite frankly our fury and I, I mean fury I was furious yeah. at, um the final England squad uh, on a few accounts but particularly it was the Danny Drinkwater one I don't understand how we've had a season that we've had people like Henderson and Wiltshire get into the squad but people like Noble and people like Drinkwater in particular do not get into the squad how does that happen? Because they don't have a high enough reputation rating that is that must that is my only conclusion from that because it's ridiculous and I think what gets me, and we'll talk about this more later when we're going, um, as we talk about the theme of the podcast, but we got, we, 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 I've heard people say, oh, I wish Kante was English. We wouldn't pick him if he was English. We'd be like, we play for Leicester, he's not good enough. That's a very good point. We'd say that he just runs around a lot, but mm. doesn't actually, uh, isn't very cultured on the ball. I mean, this is, ridic- this is absolutely ridiculous. But if we are such a good side that we can afford to uh, leave out guys who... It's not as if he was just hanging around as part of the squad that happened to win the league. He was a vital member of that team. Then we must be this amazing team, surely. We must comfortably win the Euros. We must be the best side in the world. I mean, I agree. Um, I just don't understand it myself. I mean, first of all, 
you say, people might be there saying, oh, but he's only had one good season. How many good seasons has Henderson had? Genuinely, because he was a laughing stock at the last uh, few competitions. Mm. And I, I would struggle to say that he's ever had an exceptional season, nowhere near to the level of Danny Drinkwater in teams that have been stronger than this. I would even go as far to say is when has Wiltshire ever had an exceptional season? He's had one exceptional game for England, and he's that the fact that his fitness is this bad is an absolute disgrace. How he can get in front of anyone? He is not. He's not Cristiano Ronaldo top quality to be able to get into a squad with this sort of level of fitness. What are we, Wales, with Joe Ledley? <laughs> Good point. Um, but that's the thing. One minute we like Wales with Joe Ledley, the next minute we think we're so good we can afford to leave a player out like Drinkwater. And, and you know what, as well? It's, it's very, very annoying that we talk about this all the time, England, because they just, they just pick really badly. And they're inconsistent as well. You made a very good point there. You said someone could easily have the argument, and not even unreasonably so, that he's only had one good season. If, we, if we're going to be consistent with that criteria, fair enough. Does Rashford get in the squad? No. Uh, I mean, it, would Rashford ever be in this squad if it wasn't for the fact that he played for Man United? Which is crazy. If he was in the Southampton team, he would not get in the squad. Why? Both teams, well, I mean, he played, what, two Europa League games against terrible teams, something yeah, like that. Yeah. It's not this European Champions League thing. All right, there's a bigger crowd. Bigger expectation? I'm not sure of the last year. I'd say pretty much uh, there wasn't any expectation for a long time. Um, we are all for giving youngsters a chance, but it's just the fact that there isn't a clear consistency. If he was a youngster for a less fashionable team, he wouldn't be there. And I personally think that Defoe was head and shoulders above him. I think it's too soon for Rashford. And if it was a close call, then I'd be willing to give it to the youngster, but I don't think this was a close call. Well, you mentioned about lack of consistency. There actually is one thing they are consistent about, and it comes down to the reputation rating. It's basically who you play for. And it's not even as if, it's not even if your club is any good, it's who you play for. Because if that was the case, United players wouldn't get in the squad. It really is just down to that. So, in a, in a bizarre way, it is consistent. Maybe the only exception is Vardy. It's a, it's a fair point. And, yeah, Vardy is an exception, we'll give that. But he's very much had a, a hell of a lot of hype. I mean, he's even got a film being made after him, oh, which shows yeah. you that there is a sort that of reputation. That probably just about boosted his reputation rating enough so he could be picked, that film. But yeah. this, this is the point. I mean, I don't think Smalling's a great player if he was put into another side. I don't think he'd necessarily be there, although we do lack in that department. I mean... If he was at Palace, he wouldn't be there. I mean, Scott Dan's had a better season than some of the players in that squad. He made a England statistical eleven, which we'll get onto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it just drives me mad that we're just picking purely out of who's fashionable. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy. And then we wonder why we don't do well. And picking who's fashionable is one thing. The second thing is trying to cram them a win, like we did in the last game with the diamond formation. Well, let's cram Rooney, Ali, um, Ali, Ali, Vardy, and Kane in the same side. And that will work because that's always worked. Just cramming in star names and hoping it works. Well, this is the point we've had before with Gerard, Lampard, etc. Many a time, many a debate before, which I don't see other teams doing. No, I remember and, a few. And um, sorry to interrupt. We will talk about other teams um, as part of part of the rest of the podcast, actually. But so, I want to talk about an example quite yeah. a few years ago. I think I remember someone like Rua Costa on the bench or something for Portugal. And Deco, yeah. And Deco, maybe. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, oh, great, they've got options. They've built a side with balance and then they've got options off the bench or for certain games. And uh, we have got options, but not because of that philosophy. We would never put those names on the bench. The names are all squeezed into the side. And I would argue 
that if you're going to play a cane, whilst he does a lot of things, then it might make sense to have a bit more width in the team. I know he doesn't always have that at Tottenham, but we've sacrificed width so that we can squeeze in these reputation central players, even though I know that the wingers aren't on great form. And we're relying on the full-backs for width, and then we'll complain when they get caught out of the back. Well, I mean, I want to talk about wingers for a sec there, because Drinkwater is going to come up throughout this podcast. He will. So we've, we've discussed that, and we'll continue to discuss that. But what was a bit under the radar was Townsend. And I'm going to say I'm not a big Townsend fan, if I'm honest. But it's funny that when he wasn't playing much of Spurs and playing quite poorly, he was in the England squad. Newcastle, by all accounts and what I've seen, he's done quite well since he's gotten there. All of a sudden, isn't in the England squad when we actually could do with an actual winger in that team. Well, this is it. I'd agree I'm not his biggest fan um, in some respects. But... Um... He, I wouldn't say in a normal season that he would have done enough to get in the squad based on this half, but you make a fair point that if he'd had that at a more fashionable club, he would have got in. Secondly, also, we have got a lack of informed wingers, so purely from the idea that it's nice to have a few options, it's nice to have a bit of width, and the only wide player we have is Sterling, who's not had a great season. I don't think we've got any other real natural wide players. Milner plays central now. Uh, we have a guy called um, Albrighton, but I'm guessing he's French or something. Because, yeah, because he didn't even get yeah. near the squad all season yeah I'm guessing he's French or Irish or I don't know because the, the, otherwise I'm sure he would have had the chance <laughs> yeah. and this is kind of our point it's, it, I'm infuriated before we even go into the competition um, because I just don't feel like we're giving ourselves the best chance I actually feel that on paper if England were to perform and I don't I know that doesn't happen a lot that we should be one of the favourites to the, of the competition um, but we we just we're not going to be because of selections and tactics that that go on. Thing is though, I mean, you said you're furious about those guys being picked. I could even just about live with it if then we didn't start moaning about other countries and players going, oh, I wish this guy was English or this guy that was English. And when, when if they were, you wouldn't pick them anyway. It's like if you really wanted chocolate cake and then someone offered you chocolate cake, and you'd be like, oh no, I don't want that. You know, because it isn't done by Harrods or something. It's, it's a fair point. Um... Basically, uh, an example of this is is the Portugal friendly, which uh, we were pretty poor uh, in. I mean, defensive. The, the strikers were being pinned back as if they were wingers, and apparently uh, Hodgson said that was sort of part of the plan so that Rooney could push through the centre. Uh, what? That's so crazy. To support Rooney yet again, despite the fact we have guys doing better than him and are better than him. Yeah, I mean that is crazy. Um, that idea is crazy. Play the players in the same style, the same way that they play for their club, get the best out of them. But beyond that, we were playing Portugal without Ronaldo, who had people like a 38-year-old Cavalio starting at the back. And I just knew it was going to come. And I knew it was going to be believed by a lot of the fans that the excuses afterwards were that Portugal are a very good team who are ranked higher than us in the <coughs> FIFA rankings and it was therefore a good result at home to them. Rubbish. And... Part, part of the podcast, as, as I've mentioned... Well, they are ranking, higher in the rankings. As ru- rubbish as in they're better than us on paper. We would Hardly any of those players would get in our squad. Yet. Let alone the starting eleven. Oh, yeah. I mean, abs- absolutely. Yeah, rubbish. It really would. Yeah. Um, so, it's very infuriating to hear those things. Now, I'm not... I'm, you know, friendlies are not the be-all and end-all. I, I know that. I get that. Um... But that's not the point. Is is it's, it's the philosophies, the points that we're making in terms of bigging up the opposition. Yet, really, would those players get in the team? And we saw that when we saw the hysteria over Liverpool beating Dortmund. And I would argue that only two of their players would make 
maybe three max would make the starting lineup at, at Liverpool. Yeah, but it's hysteria to support an agenda. I mean, if Rodgers was in charge of that side, he'd be slated, and the same argument you've just used would be used against him. The media would be going, well, only three of those guys would get into get into Liverpool's squad. That would be the argument used. So it, it's a hysteria to support an agenda. Okay, well, this will form part of what is our main feature today. That's supposed to be an introduction and lead up to it, and we'll certainly come back to that. Um, but just to give you a bit more of a rundown of some of the things we'll go through today, um, well, we'll be going through them outside. We are in uh, the garden at mine, so that's a first. So if you hear some birds singing, etc., you'll know why. Uh, but we'll be going through the England squad as our kind of one of our main features in terms of comparing the England squad to other squads and, and trying to push that point more about actually we uh, big up other nations' players, but when uh, we look at our own players, we try and play them down to suit an agenda. And also, we want to compare the philosophies for other countries, i.e., like Germany will pick this guy, yet they'll pick him from a mid table slide, yet we wouldn't do that, and then we, we complain Germany have better players than us. So it's to, it's the, it's two reasons we're doing it. Great. Uh, and before then, uh, we'll talk about some of the recent news, like Gunnigan going to City, uh, United changes there, uh, some Spurs signings, Sacco in his uh, drugs uh, situation, uh, transfer news generally, uh, some fixture leaks from the Premier League, potentially, Martin Keown comments, um, and Conte will bring in as well um, the fact that the myth of, of doing England players play more games than the rest of the nations uh, and within England as well and, and before will be Rooney or not Rooney that is the question as well as looking at all sorts of other things like Koeman uh, for instance Koeman I'm getting that one wrong for once uh, Di Matteo going to Aston Villa slash Clark Monk to Leeds etc so let's start Okay, let's let's get started. So, let's talk about the signings. So, yeah. Manchester United have signed that guy for thirty million, and we've had a little discussion anyway. I can't I remember his name. Be a um, Barney or something. No, oh, that's the guy not. from FIFA, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> um, but again, the old United would have signed him twelve, eighteen months ago when he was cheap, and I get even at, even when he was cheap, they'd have to pay a bit of a premium. But what's what's significantly different between them signing him 18 months ago and then him playing 40 games for the Real, which is not exactly playing for Real Madrid or Manchester City. Not or enough games or to enough, really... Or enough games yeah. even. To then, to then sign him. It's almost like they, he had to have, and I'll mention this numerous times in our podcast, a reputation rating. It's almost as if they couldn't justify doing it for four million when he was slightly unknown. But now he's a bit more known they feel they can sign him. It's ridiculous. Didn't Chelsea sign a centre-back under Mourinho last season for about £4 million that I don't think he actually wanted to sign? But it would have been the same sort of signing, although he's slightly older, that United would have made if they picked up this guy with their huge scouting network before. But like you say, people would have been like, who? And that cheap? Therefore, he must be rubbish. But now he costs a lot. There'll be a different agenda. Well, that's the thing. I mean, United. People say United spending money in that, which they've always used to do. But they used to sign guys like Vidic. They used to sign guys like Evra. They um, were they were decent money, were they? Seven million and five million. Not not much. Not much in today's market. But now they wouldn't have touched them because they'd have been like. They may have even scouted them and thought they were good, but it would have not fitted in their philosophy and brand of signing names or signing big big fees. Well, that that also goes into the philosophy of Granite Zacco, I think, because mm. personally. I would have been interested in him for the original fee that was he was signed from Basel for. Um, 
I, I wouldn't say he's got significantly better since then. And he was no secret that was under the radar. You know, Basel players are pretty out there and are often spoken about as having a good um, youth system. So why now are you know, Arsenal signing him for huge money when I don't actually think that he merits that huge money to truly transform the team? He would have been a lot better value and more justifiable at the lower fee. And, and if they had to, although I'm not a big fan of buy and loan out like stockpile, then that, that might have worked there. I mean, I sort of get it as a as a general point. Let's say let's say there's a guy, in the, um, a youth player, who's playing for like I don't know third division club, and then like a middle ranked Premiership club takes the chance to sign him. He does well at the middle ranked Premiership club. Then a big Premiership club might sign him. I kind of get that process. But in the examples you've said, and the example I've said, is that there there isn't there isn't enough to say that progression happened. Particularly particularly for United's new signing, could have got him for four point four million plays not that many games for the Real, all of a sudden he's justified to spend that kind of money on. It's, there, there, isn't, there isn't really that logic other than the fact that it's almost like, oh, he's not beneath us now to sign. Let's sign him. Well, I agree with you. And what, I mean, if they're going to do this philosophy, then the one thing I'd like to see stopped is the other philosophy, which is when they do buy them for for cheap just to stop other clubs from signing them who will play them because from a player's point of view you know you'd hope that their advisors were advising them to go to a club who is actually going to play them and, and they won't be played when they're signed for cheap I mean look at Mourinho he wouldn't play De Bruyne until you know he probably would now when he's big money but he wouldn't do it at the time if you've not got a fee attached to you then they're quite frankly not going to focus their attention on you they'd rather try and protect their investments and keep on giving a chance to someone they spent money on hoping that that would be seen as money well spent to the fans yeah definitely um yeah i can agree more okay so that's one of the signings what about gundogan to city what do you make of that i think based on i'm gonna be very very um, cautious here based on reputation oh ouch um he could be the signing city need um, and what and the guardiola team needs um, a link up man in midfield with a bit of energy but again i'm based i'm basing it on what other people say i really am so i'm i'm in a very weak position here and as we know plenty of times a reputation can go ahead of actually ability and skill that's a fair point um Again, he, he seems to fit the bill, but I haven't seen him enough to be sure. And, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of rant about Premier League stuff because we know about the Premier League stuff. Mm. But when we don't know about something, we're willing to admit that we don't know. But from the outside... And we can't trust the information either. That's the problem. Well, and that's why we're doing the pod. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the, kind of the ethos yeah. of the pod. But we, um, yeah, he does seem, from, from all accounts, to at least be the sort of player that would fit the uh, Guardiola style, closing down, ticky-tacky type style. Yeah, most definitely. Um, I want to make a sort of broader point here, and it seems like United and City, with their new managers, are spending lots of money and, fi- and uh, signing players that may well fit their bill. The question I would ask is then, let's say, for sake of argument, both Guardiola and um, Mourinho do better than the managers they've replaced. Is that because they've just been able to buy better players or because they're actually better managers? I mean, yes and no. I get what you mean. We've spoken about this with Klopp, etc., but... What I would say is it depends how much they've spent because the the point is is that both their predecessors also spent big. I know now they're adding to what they spent yeah. on, but still, it's not like the previous managers didn't have money. No, to no, spend. I agree. I, but I'd, I'd actually say the question shouldn't be how much they spend, more do they get the players they want. You know, you've mentioned Guardiola getting the guy he wants, and they're going to very much cater to players that Guardiola wants. I doubt they did the same for Pellegrini. Certainly, if you and certainly look at some of their signings. 
I don't know. I don't know. Was there, there was was there any evidence that he was unhappy with the transfer policy there? I, I, I don't know. All I know is that you can specifically tell these are Mourinho and, and Guardiola type players, and also consider that the people doing the transfers, the director of football, were ex Barcelona guys, who um, who actually worked um, worked, I believe, with Guardiola. So they're going to fit sign players more fit into his philosophy. I mean, I personally, style or not. I don't think that the Man City team particularly needs a massive overhaul. I think a coach could get enough out of the defence. They were signed for big money. They can't be all terrible defenders with the deep, you know, with with a good coach there. But at worst, a quality centre back is needed. And then I would argue that they've got Silva, De Bruyne, Sterling for fifty million. You know, De Bruyne was fifty million. I mean. Fernandinho is a very good player. I would argue that you only really need one top quality player to maybe replace Yaya, who's been gone, for that to be a top quality side, or maybe get rid of uh, Navas and bring in another winger. And then centre forward, Aguero, if they're going to get rid of Boney because he's average, then bring in one top quality one. It's only a few players, and that's, that's really pushing it. But that's the thing, though, that, that I would probably agree with that. But it looks like they've already signed another centre back, a passing centre back who fits in. Um, Guardiola's philosophy, but I think he's not. He's actually injured and is not around till August or September. So I can see a situation where they probably spend another 200 million on players Guardiola wants, and he does seven points better than Pellegrini, and will be made out to be this genius. Well, we do say though, if you're going to let a manager join, if you're going to bring him in, then let him put his style into oh, the I, team. I, I completely agree. It's more. I'm just. I'm just fearing the fact that he'll get a lot of hype for only a small improvement, yeah, exactly. considering the money spent. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, um, we've got down Spurs signings. What Spurs signings? Uh, they've signed a guy, at the very least, very close to signing the guy for twelve million um, in the Dutch league. Um, he, he's a Dutch striker, and I think his goal records, like in the in the um, the, the Dutch league, is for twenty seven out of thirty four. So yeah, I mean, could be a good one, but again, let's just temper that because uh, it's a Dutch league. And he's younger. I think he's twenty-one. I think. But again, they need someone who's gonna straight away be competition or like for like pushing with Harry Kane, especially with the extra. Uh, I know they played in the Europa League, but well, with the Champions League big games there. I personally think they are signing signing him for that. He's because they're not exactly going to be able to afford a superstar, and even if they could, that superstar will um, displace Kane. So they're getting a young understudy who, on the face of it, could be considered a. You know, not not too big a gamble. Twelve million, young guy. Even if he doesn't do that well, they could probably sell him. All right, but I, you know, I like Pock a lot, but he did sign in G for ten million, and then he never really got a chance with a couple of injuries. So, is he really gonna sign him for that role that you make out, or is it just gonna be uh, a similar situation well, as NG? Keep in mind, and this this is what we discussed in last pod that one of the reasons Pochettino did well is because they had no injuries Kane played every single minute I think of the of the 38 games or the very least played every single game but they have money to spend on on, on players well who, I mean I but I'm I saying they've got the stadium but still I'm saying they've got an awkward position because anyone that's been big money on would be expected to be the number one striker I get that but haven't they got enough games to to fit in a few yeah, maybe. That comes down to management and squad rotation. Plus, they could always try and play two up front. It's not like with Palace, where our fans are calling for signing loads of average squad players or whatever. But, you know, we've got, we haven't got that many games compared to them. I think if this guy came and someone else came, it probably would be okay. 
But I, I think it's one of those. They're looking at his goal record, saying, yeah, he can fit Strake in because his goal record's excellent and he's been excellent for two seasons, although, this, although I think the previous one was in the Dutch second division. So it's a risk, but I think it's something. It's a calculated risk. Fair enough. Next on the list, we've got Sacco. I assume that we're talking about the fact that the expected long extended second part of his tra- uh, drugs ban hasn't happened, apparently. I don't know if he's available for the French squad, do you? Uh, he is, but he hasn't been picked. I mean, that must purely be down to this scenario because although the French squad's very good and he's not anything special, they are weak in defence. Yeah, we'll talk about that later with the French weak in defence, but there must be something beyond that because he has, yeah. I thought, I thought, he, I thought he got caught doing the same thing mm. as his teammate at Liverpool and uh, Toure and would have got a similar ban. I guess we don't know. The details weren't in the sort of tribunal or whatever it was run, but it seemed a bit strange. Mm. Uh, okay, um, they've, a few days ago, a fixture list went around for the Premier League. Looked a pretty realistic a copy, if it wasn't real. Um, so that's quite um, a rare situation to have a, a leak of the fixtures because they're due out on the 15th. Yeah, it is. Um, I think we'll have to see if they're real or not. Um, that does does seem very... I liked the look of the Palace ones. They seemed very reasonable in terms of timings and when you play what teams. It's why it's hard to tell, but at this stage... Yeah, yeah, it depends with fixture congestion and FA Cups, etc. Well, hopefully they are correct. We will see. Uh, I do think it's kind of crazy that the Football League and Premier League effectively sell the copyright to their fixture list because apparently they actually are some sort of uh, skilled... Um, document which is funny seeing as you often get clubs or like Bournemouth going to Newcastle on Boxing Day or something stupid for that um, and they're very aggressive in terms of allowing clubs to uh, publish the full fixtures uh, and they try and close down fans websites for that so typically another example of the private association of football though. Well funny that because um, I, I agree with your concept despite the fact it's meant to be quite calculated and well done you know they still have stupid games but I think on the lower leagues, there's. I remember watching Football Focus a long time ago, and there's this one guy that does the whole designs the whole fixture list on himself, um, by himself. Sorry for like um, with a machine. No, no, literally, literally on, on paper and stuff for like the Southern Southern Premier League or something like that. He he basically is the computer, but he's not computer. He does it all on hand and that kind of stuff, and you know, photocopies it and gives it to. Everyone. Probably works out better. He's, I was going to say, it yeah. seems seems like uh, it works quite well. Yeah. Well, as we know, it's TV that rules those anyway. Unfortunately, uh, rightly or wrongly, I'd say wrongly, despite the money that they provide. Okay, um, to make a point of. Uh, the uh, the well, should we bring in the cure and stuff later on? Yeah, let's do it now. Okay, um, there was a small video on BBC website Sport which had uh, Rio Ferdinand, Martin Keown, Shearer, some of the others talking about England and our chances, etc., and so on. Um, Martin Keown, I think it was, said something along the lines of, "You know, we could do what Leicester did and be the dark horses." Wow, we're four favourites from the bookies. See, I didn't know um, Keown was part Albanian. What do you mean? Because, oh, you, you know, I mean, they're surely the equivalent of Leicester, aren't they? 
Well, that's kind of my point. That is that that would be the comparison. So to bring it in, you know, it may have been a throwaway comment, but I don't even know how you get that one in as a throwaway comment. It's it's a crazy situation to be honest, and sort of proves what we say about pundits just being absolute morons. Who are we um, behind anyway? You said before favourites. Who are the three? France, Germany. I can't remember the third one. Belgium. I don't get the Belgium thing. Don't get me wrong. They've got some good players, but oh, let's let's wait for the squad comparison. All right. Okay, we'll get there. Uh, okay, um, another great article that came out recently, I think it was BBC as well, was um, kind of debunking the myth that um, English players don't do well at tournaments because they're always knackered because we don't have a winter break and therefore they play more games. Load of rubbish. We They compared <coughs> most of the England squad players and even those that play a lot like Harry Kane and it turns out that compared to other squads, we, our players have not played anywhere near the same sort of, well, not the same sort of minutes either, at all. I've got two points to make from that. So firstly, don't a lot of foreign players playing our league anyway, so they'd have the same, same constraints. Good point. Secondly, if that was a big factor, then surely it would make more sense to pick guys from Leicester because they wouldn't have played as many games, right? Because they're not playing in Europe and yeah. stuff. <laughs> Very good point. I don't know. I can't. I'd like to disagree with you because you've got a face that wants to be disagreed with, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, I cannot. Uh, okay, um, Rooney or not Rooney? That is the question. We'll try and make this a brief question because we'd rather focus on the other England stuff that we had in mind. But we uh, we went to the Guardian live podcast recording on Monday night in uh, in London, and that was uh, a very fun event, uh, very good. Um, a lot of banter, maybe less about the football, more about the uh, company of the um, charming gentlemen that are on the podcast, very, very likeable people. And uh, they did a bit of an audience participation question where they asked who would start Rooney. And who wouldn't start Rooney? And I'd say it was 60, 70 sort of percent said not. Mm. I'd probably say 60, 65. Something like that, yeah. 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 And it surprised me, though, that there was about 40% that said they'd start him. Yeah, I mean... He's never turned up at a tournament. No, I mean, the the Rooney thing's interesting because the, the problem is not so much starting Rooney, it's the fact that if you have to start him... You have to build a team around him because I remember we were discussing previous podcasts about the um, Roy Hodgson and how you wanted him to play like they did against Germany. And I said the bigger question is, will Rooney play and how will he play? And it's the building around the team I have a problem with because I, I could even live with Rooney playing if you had, say, a system which had Kane up front, Ali behind him, Ollie. I thought I got it right. I know. Actually, I think I got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, as as the, say the opposite to you. <laughs> as the attacking midfielder, and I can live with a situation where you play Rooney as one of the inside forwards, but then you don't make anything special for him. He's a squad player doing a particular role that we want him to do, but we can't. We can't be trusted to do that. We have to build the team around him and play to his strengths, such um, as what they are. I mean, this is it. If it, you can't have it both ways, if you're building up the friendly to be significant, yeah, uh, then. When you have a friendly loss, you have to build it up to be significant. And also, if you're building up the friendly win to be such a great thing against Germany, which it probably wasn't, seeing as Slovakia beat them last week, then surely you stick with a winning team. You know that If it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, I don't understand how he can just walk into the squad based on not just his performances for England at tournaments, but the season that he's had, which has been extremely mediocre. It's cowardly. Basically, what it is is that... Well, two reasons. Firstly, it's confirmation bias. 
because we want Rooney to be good, particularly coaches and managers, they'll notice what he does good and ignore the bad or make excuses for, for him. Secondly, it's kind of a bit of a bottle job. So let's say, let's say if England don't play Rooney and the tournament doesn't go well. You know the media will be on the coach going, oh, if you play Rooney and stuff like that. And you need a strong coach to actually stand up to that. But doesn't seem to exist. That's a fair point. I don't think. I mean, we've both got the same opinion on the the Rooney debate, so I don't think. Uh, I don't understand how he's considered this that good that people would really stick with it. I really don't. I mean, there's always goal scoring record in qualifiers against poor teams that you know we're going to score goals against. You know, even Heskey got a few of those. Wow. Um, Conte, you want to talk about Conte briefly? Huh? Uh, do I? I don't know, maybe not. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, well, let's talk Cumin, uh, Cumin, Cumin. I, I, you've got me getting the names wrong that I don't usually because I'm thinking it's through too hard. Um, so, yeah, Cumin. Um, looks like he's on the verge of going to Everton. I think we briefly discussed this in the last yeah, part. Yeah, and, and I still think that's a really good move. The only way is up for Everton, the only way is down for Southampton. And rightly or wrongly, he doesn't have enough of a strong reputation to get a better job. It's foreign manager. You'd think he would. He was a top player, so why doesn't he? Um, he might have done any other season, but we're excited by Mourinho's and Klopp's and Guardiola's. Good point. Okay. And Conte's somehow. I don't even know why, but... <laughs> okay, fair enough. I mean, I personally think it's... I'm not sure it's a massive step up. I think, you know, it depends how much money he's been promised, really. I guess that's the question, and we don't really know how good he is... Uh, spending money in terms of when he gets given big money because yeah, although he spends a bit he has had to sell from underneath him but that's that's why it's a good move for Everton and as I say fundamentally it's more do you think they're going to sell Lukaku and Stones yeah, possibly. and but, but, Barkley as well but I, I, actually, I actually think Stone, selling Stones is probably good business for them Maybe, I do. Maybe, maybe not the other two, but certainly Stones. But yeah, Lukaku may push his yeah, way out. Because he could probably sign um, Van Dyke from Southampton for maybe half of that money that they would sell Stones for. Um, but, but even taking into account, for, for me, it's more just the fact that Southampton, you know what we said about Rodgers, you've got to leave when your stock is higher. And his stock, so he will not do better with Southampton. He can do a lot better with Everton. I'm I'm not fully sure, but I've said my reasons in the last pod, so I won't rattle on. Uh, okay, so there's some other managerial moves that have gone on as well. Is it Di Matteo or is it Clark that's gone to Aston Villa? Explain. I remember um, when we were discussing Aston Villa and the Aston Villa chairman that he might have been getting a bit of harsh, harsh press, and I said, well, the decision that I would say whether he had substance or was just a clown would be who he makes the next Aston Villa manager. Would it be a Di Matteo? Or would it be a um, Pearson or someone? What he's done, he's kind of actually done the third option and got both types in, which is quite strange. Yeah, because Clark has been a coach for a long time. I rate him as a coach. But he's also a manager in his own right. And usually when people go to a manager in their own right, they stick with it, whether they're successful or not. I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, so it's strange. I mean, they will know each other from time at Chelsea, but it seems a strange dynamic. And really, what, what what's Di Matteo? I don't know. I don't know what he's going to bring there. He's managing the championship with West Brom, but... Here, here's, here's what it is. Clark is the manager. Di Matteo is the figurehead. I don't know. Is, is that fair? Because Di Matteo has been a manager in his own right as well. Hmm... It's a strange one, unless they're better friends than we think, and Clark truly didn't want the managerial responsibility. Maybe, maybe, but as I say, I think I think they've just gone for. Yeah, as I say, I think it's a bad decision. But at least bringing Clark sort of maybe justifies it a bit more because 
Di Di Matteo, I, th I think he's I think he's nothing. I think he's just all all image, and he's got he's got nothing to him. Seems like I don't like people called Roberto. Now I think about it, it could work just in the sense that yeah. if Di Matteo had a football head on him, which I'm not convinced, no, no, then right. Clark might know the league football league a bit better. Not that Di Matteo is not managed in the football league, and also people talk about like nice guys like Zola, and maybe Di Matteo fits into that bracket, and having like a experienced and sort of hard man assistant. I think I'd be fine with all that, but let's say Villas do well, who's going to get all the credit and praise and who's going to get the move to another club? Isn't that just the nature of being an assistant rather than a manager? Yeah, which I would agree if there's a clear hierarchy, but quite frankly it looks like here that Clark is going to be doing the, most of the work and Clark, Clark's going to be mainly responsible. There's also been rumours, by the way, already that the chairman at Villa doesn't have the money that he promised and I said that it all sounded suspect the way the deal was done. Maybe that's why he got Dimitri. Maybe just kind of like a nice image signing. To shut the fans up on that. Maybe. Um, I'd just like to point out, if I haven't before, that Dimitri is an absolute traitor. Kind of harsh, but I think fair in the sense that uh, he was born in Switzerland, raised in Switzerland, played through club youth teams in Switzerland. All right, both his parents were Italian, but he uh, chose to play for Italy. A bit like the Hargreaves situation. At least he didn't play for the under-21s, etc., as far as I'm aware. He does try and make out that he's Swiss when it suits him to get on Swiss TV, though, like Desai and Ghana. I was going to say, that that what's kind of annoys me is that I wouldn't even... I mean, it'd still be... I agree with everything you said, but let's say if he did that and then just went, OK, I'm Italian now, but then didn't use his Swiss nationality, at least he's made a decision, but he's being selective when he likes it, and it's disrespectful to both countries. And it's not even just in the Italian part of Switzerland TV. Uh, OK, so... Um, there's basically we're saying when we don't wish them good luck actually because they're not exactly the most likable characters to be appointed there. I don't mind Clark. Just have um, no issue with Clark really. He's just a bit miserable, isn't he? He's never happy. Yeah, I also like feel. Couple. Yeah, I also feel as well. He was actually quite harshly done by West Brom. Do you know how he said about Monk? It's like because he had Monk. Just, Monk because he because <laughs> he doesn't have enough reputation behind him. Isn't a fancy foreign name or anything like Ooh, that. That's that's the next one. Monk to Leeds. Oh, OK, well, that transitions nicely. But the point is, Clark was sacked as soon as things went badly. And I remember there being a stat, because I remember this vividly at the time, is that, remember, do you remember Landrop at uh, Chel uh, Swansea? I remember Loudrop, yeah. Landrop, yeah, do you remember, do you remember him? <laughs> Martin Loudrop, the Dem Dem Danish guy. Ha <laughs> ha, Brian Landrop, actually. Oh, was it? It was his brother. Ah, see, yes. So you're trying to correct me, but you can't even get the first name right. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I've been told. Carry on. OK, well, anyway, the point is, is that, like Clark was sacked because he was on a bad run, but looking, at, but then I, well, not just me. The stats were out there that Landrop, and at the time was really, really highly rated. Landrop had pretty much you couldn't resist. I could tell by your face. Yeah, but um, he he had pretty much identical win loss and draw record, and it's not as if you could say West Brom was significantly better, if at all, better than Swansea. So again, it was just kind of like looking for it because it was, and as you say, a dull, miserable man. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Clark was a. West Brom significantly before Monk got sacked, right? No, I'm talking Landrop. Oh, right. Well, yeah, okay, yeah, but on. I was using uh, Monk as an example because of what you said, that with him it was like they were looking, as soon as he did slightly badly, they got rid of him. Okay, I mean, Monk's gone to Leeds. I mean, Leeds are a big club, they're a sleeping giant, but they're a mess with a crazy owner. Yeah, but I don't understand why you take on to, that job. He has to, he has no, to. No, surely like, you take over a... Not that you know, you, you take over a Sheffield Wednesday with you, money behind them. I know that you, you wouldn't get the, the yes. job's not free. Oh, you mean like a Reading who would? Oh no, they've appointed um, Yep Stan, haven't they? Yeah. 
who has no managerial record, only an assistant. This is my point. It's and I'm not even saying it's a foreign thing. It's just it's just a reputation, image thing. You've even clubs in Championship now just appointing guys from abroad because they were a name. So what chance does 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 a monk have? I mean, he was lucky to get Leeds, arguably. I mean, it's. It's sort of how it I is. Think yeah. Leeds, I, I see what you mean, but I just think that Leeds is a mess. It's a poison chalice. Why would you take it? Crazy. Well, I want to make another point on those. Russell Slade left Cardiff. He's had to take the Charlton job. He got pushed up, yeah. and then he left. A few. He got pushed up into like no, director no, of football first. Yeah, but the point is, is that the best job he could get was Charlton, whereas like maybe Reading would have been fine for him. I mean, yes and no. He he didn't really deserve the Cardiff job, to be honest, in the first place. And until this season, he didn't do very well at it. And this season, he did pretty well at it. They played good football. They were just outside the playoffs. Um, but he's also joining a mess of a club right now in Charlton. No, but that's that's my point. Is that the, you know you're saying? But I don't think I, I don't think his previous managerial record necessarily merited better than League One. You mean like Yap Stems? Well, I, I'm, yeah, I agree yeah. with you that Yapstams doesn't either, but you know, I, I'm just saying that that, that doesn't mean his does. No, no, fair enough. But it, but it's like it's like Yapstam can't get a job in his own country because they probably actually, you know, appoint managers based on record and substance and that kind of stuff. So like he's had to come here, and we're like, oh yeah, we like a nice name. Let's get him in. Interesting point. Uh, that takes us to the end of our news section. So we'll be going in part two onto our main feature, which we said will be squad comparisons, etc. The kind of two-pronged, faceted uh, topic there. Um, so we'll be back with you just after this break. And we're back for the main feature. So let's get straight on with it. Okay, I'm going to let you start off with this then. What's, what's, what are you really at then with this England stuff? Have you said it all before earlier? What's your angle? Yeah, pretty much that actually. But as Stefan said, it's for two reasons. Firstly, it's to do an objective comparison between our squad and the so-called fancy na- the fancied nations. Your Spain, your France and your Belgium. We're fancied by the bookies. Yeah, but we're in our own country. We're going to be fancied. But... We tend to, as we discussed... Yeah, I think we're fancied in Europe. I mean, I was listening to the Guardian pod the other day, and uh, the German guy, Rafa, was saying that... Um, well, I know, actually, I think it was the French guy was saying that they see us as a real threat. In more sense, he would say it. <laughs> he saying they see us as a real threat. Because yeah. on paper, we are. I, I, would, I would agree, but I think the, the, general, the general consensus is that we're underdogs. But it is here. This is, this is it. I mean, I would agree. What, what's happened is, in the past... We've overregged our players yeah. and been disappointed. And now we've swung so much the other way where we are underplaying. And, I mean, if you look at our qualification record, although I think it's flattering, on paper with the players that we've got on that qualification record, then we should be as confident as we were in the past when we didn't necessarily need to be. And it's gone the other way. We're talking about Portugal. Yeah, exactly. And so I wanted to see if that if that does hold true, if the fact that are these nations that we big up, are these foreign players, really, really better than us? And what I would say is that I'm only really doing this for, on, on two criteria. First, these statistics, particularly with the attacking midfielders and strikers, how many goals have they scored? Secondly, it'll be down to the fact down to the clubs they played for. And this is quite a, quite a crucial thing for me because, as we said earlier, 
we are very snobbish when it comes to picking players like Drinkwater, Cresswell, um, Albrighton, etc. Noble. Noble and so on. Yeah, other countries, I've always believed, had a bit more fairer selection criteria. So it'll be a comparison. We would not... Defoe would, would have made the squad if he scored 15 goals for Tottenham. Right, Defoe's an interesting one. Wait till we get to the Spain squad comparison for that one. Okay, we'll interesting. Do but I, right. I, I, do, I do want to add, though, this will transition in, is that... Stefan made a very good point that we've overhyped players um, in previous England teams in the past. And so to transition into this, I'm going to compare our team to our Euro 96 heroes. Okay, yeah, um, you've, you've mentioned, I don't know if you want to bring it in now. There's been a lot of um, documentaries recently on Euro 96 and a lot of kind of um, looking back very favourably. Is that what you call it? Yeah, most definitely. And let's look at the tournament. Lucky, we scraped through the joints against Switzerland um, would you say Switzerland were a strong team at the time? I'd love to say they are but they weren't no I mean on paper they've got a few good players a terror, a very poor central defence good fullbacks, but very poor central defence I mean even when I say good fullbacks, I mean they are good fullbacks. their left back is a different type of left back than Rose but I mean, they're right backs. 96 squad. So when we drew one, oh, right, going back. Okay, I mean, I don't know it as well. I was young, but no, I mean, Turkey and etc. Exactly. So we did a, a draw against. That was, yeah, that yeah, was, a draw against a weakened side. Now the Scotland two 0 That wasn't Hodgson's side, was it? Because you know he was Switzerland manager. I, I, it could have been. I know he was manager in '94, but whether it's '96, I imagine there'd have been a bit more made out of it. Because you know the next Switzerland manager was somehow related to me, by the way. Uh, I, no, I forget his even name, but I'll, I'll bring this up in another pod. Wow. I, well, okay. Well, that's it's distant. Really it really is. Or, yeah, it's somewhat related. Wow. Kobe Kuhn. That's it. Seriously. Anyway, so um, and then Scotland. It was two 0 but. Um, it was 1-0 to England throughout, um, for most of the game and at half time all the pundits were saying "Oh, how bad Gascoigne was and how he should be taken off if not for the safe penalty when Scotland were dominating we, the game's 1-1 and then we don't score that second goal so scraped him in there the Dutch game, brilliant there's, there's going to be nothing, no kind of, no kind of thing. Well, they defended terribly. But yeah, but still, still, you know, four-one against a fancy Dutch side is a good result. Quarterfinals against Spain. Spain had two goals disallowed offside, and they were a better side throughout. And again, we're lucky to win on penalties. And then Germany, yeah, good performance, but ultimately we lost. Yeah, we were very close with the Gaza thing. Um, it's a fair point. Um, there's a lot of romanticising about it. Um, but maybe because it was on home soil, maybe yeah, that's I, what I think so. But I'm I'm fine I'm fine with that part. But then let's compare their squad to our guys. So seemingly yeah, we'd say oh, if only if only we had a squad like that now. That's what we do. Is that and and we have been hearing that. So all right, so let's have a look. So Seaman, yeah, top level goalkeeper. So is Hart. Oh yeah, Hart is. I mean, yeah, he really is. Yeah. So Gary Neville, yeah, fair enough. But even then, he was he was quite young at the time. I prefer Klein. Yeah. Do you know who else was in our squad as well? Actually, which surprised me it was Phil Neville. That doesn't surprise me. He was in a lot of squads for a long time. In '96, though, I mean, he was—he must have. I mean, really, I can't. I mean, Gary Neville, I can just about buy. But in '96, he must have played barely a handful of games for United back then. You know, Gary in his book always writes that Phil was that significantly the better player and was multi-talented at many sports. By the way. Yeah, but I get the feeling Phil was probably. I mean, you can never pin down Phil Neville's position because he could play everywhere. Whereas Neville 
just was exceptional in one position. So it's whether you're a jack of all trades or master of one, basically. Or master of none, but yeah. Well, okay. Sorry, <laughs> right, so, so here's the interesting one. The left-back, Stuart Pearce. Now, he's quite rated as an England legend, wouldn't you agree? Well, yeah, because of his character. Place for Nottingham Forest. Who like what? I mean, they got relegated one one year. Even but even back then, they were a mid-table side. We're snobbish about picking a Cresswell, yet Pierce was meant to be this great left back we picked. We'd never pick him now. That's, I mean, Cresswell is by far a more talented player in terms of technique. Yeah. But Pierce was a lion heart and a leader, and, and I think that's why he's looked back at favourably. But, yeah, but I wonder who the comparison would be now. But he wouldn't get in into squads. Based based on that, I mean that's like saying Danny Higginbottom. Danny Higginbottom, exactly. That's a v- played for Ireland, didn't he? Or then Gibraltar. No, but that's the thing. Someone someone like that, kind of a clogging left back who works hard. You know, why not? Um, who was that guy who used to play for West Brom? Um, Paul Robinson or someone like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, so so I'm not, I'm, and I'm not even saying like, I mean, that's a bit. Yeah, Stuart Pearce was probably better, but that's. No, kind I of, mean Stuart Pearce was solid, but he he was limited in ability. Yeah. But then, as I say, that wouldn't even matter. The point I'm making is how we pick squads now is that we just do it by by name and by who they play for. So then if we're going to glorify Stuart Pearce, he'd play for mid-table sides. And now it'd be said that he's never proven himself at a higher level. OK, go on, carry on then. I like this right. theme. So the centre-backs, I, I, I think we had like Adams. And don't get me wrong, Adams, is gonna, I'm going to say, was a great defender. But he only really started to become a great defender when un, under Winger was when... Winger, I mean, you can say George Graham's defensive records, but then by the same token, Adams was in and out of rehab at that time. Um, but it's only really when he played under Winger where people started to think he was truly world class. And I'm going to make this comparison with Cahill because I agree, Cahill was, you know, you know my opinion is Cahill, he's not a great defender. But let's look at Cahill's record. Did well at Bolton, got the move to Chelsea, and until this season was part of a team that was very, very solid. And I get that. And I think that was in spite of him, not because of him. But the point is now, is if the, the point I'm making is that we would rate a foreign player or we'd rate a player in the past who had that equivalent role. We'd probably rate Carvalho for that. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I do think our current centre-backs are weakened. I read an article recently. I can't remember who are it was by. We're judging them. I agree, they are weakened, but are we judging them on high criteria? No, I, I, I've read articles recently. I can't remember the guy, but it, they were saying that... Um, Ian Wright was by far the best centre-back they'd played against. He knew exactly where to stand. Uh, sorry, <laughs> it may have been Ian Wright who said it. it, it Tony Adams. Yeah. No, I agree, I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm just more making that it's a record that you could you could interpret one way or another. I completely agree. Adams was a better player, but based on the lazy analysis that happens today... Well, true. If, 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 um, if we were looking at Italy and we looked at Cellini, now we know Cellini is a good player, but... Um, we only know that if he was as, just as good as Gary Cahill, but because he'd been at Juve, etc. But been dodgy, we'd be saying he's amazing. The Italy exactly. fans would be saying he's. Not. And I'm going to keep that. I'm not going to talk too much about Cahill because I'll mention him later with other teams' comparisons. But yeah, so and then the other centre back, someone like Pallister. All right, yeah, good, good player for United. So I don't really. But then Smalling also is. So you know, you can look at that one way or another. That's a tough. That's yeah. a that's a push. Come on. No, I, I agree. I agree, but. Um, but then, you, know. you mentioned the big club bias thing. I was just thinking how little Phil Jones would have actually had to do this year to get into the oh, England. Yeah. And team. by the same token, Steve Bruce never got a cap for England. So maybe that should be applauded in a way. Yeah. Oh, actually, no, no. I, I was saying Pallister. No, um, who was it? It was actually Gareth Southgate, I think, was ahead of him more. And again, that could be a fair comparison this morning. A young guy who hadn't had much experience at the higher level. Was he that young then? He was quite young, yeah. He was quite a young player. 
And it's not as if he was playing for a big club either, by the way. Well, okay. And uh-huh. then, so, let's go for the midfield. Anderton. Isn't he just James Milner? No, that's harsh. No. James Milner's a clogger. Anderton had a bit of Hoddle-esque class. I, I'm, I'm not... But even if he did... I, I mean, A, I'm not sure about that. But even if he did, did he play for... You know, he played for Spurs, who are maybe a seventh-place side. We would, we would now say, like, he would just not be considered. Even if he did... It'd be like, oh, he hasn't done it at the highest level. For me, he's a, a rich man's Darren Ambrose. But there, yeah, there we go. That's kind of the point. Lots of good goals. Had a good touch. Didn't do a lot during the game. We're glorifying this side as this really great Euro 96 side. But yet Anderton was never playing for a big club. He was never playing at the highest level at all. I think some of the glorification is because of the uh, scenes that you saw when they're doing like the national anthem. It was a team that, maybe the last team that we, we could relate to that they were at least trying. That, that's a fair point. You get so little passion out of the current. No, no, I agree, but that's not really the narrative. It's the narrative that that they were a great side. Well, that, I, yeah, that's a fair point, and I disagree with that bit. But yeah, yeah, no, but that, that, they I, care. I'm just, I'm I mean, just more, made them care. No, I agree, but I'm more making that point. If you judge them, it's just judging them at the same standards, basically, as we do today. Okay, keep going then. Another next so, player. Yeah, so Ince. Yeah, I, I think Ince is a top level player regardless. Plays for United regularly. Um, played abroad as a Palace fan I have to just say that he's scum <laughs> yeah fair enough but you know like, I, I don't really have a significant in fact that's probably one player you could say we could do with in our squad actually was he really that good see I, I, it's a bit before my time as such and to me he just seems like he was a solid defensive midfielder did he really he offer more, a lot else he was more box to box actually I think really? he had a bit okay. more a bit before my time anyway next up well Gaza again Gaza uh, Gaza was an immense talent but at that time he was an overweight alcoholic not before he wasn't like Rangers but he was not in his prime by any stretch so, so well, I think we've got a like for like comparison apart from the alcoholic thing uh, is Rooney we don't know about that. Well, it's, fair enough. I'd say that that's our... can't end up in bed with some of them old munters like he does about a few drinks. Fair point. Fair point. But that, that's our, that, I think that's our like for like comparison. Well, that's why I've always said that Rooney is an attacking midfielder because he's often... He's been compared at the beginning of his career to that style of Gaza. And uh, that, that's that he drifted so many times out, left the used to and so on. It was only that one season where he played like a proper centre forward. Right, so this right midfielder, I'm not, I'm, I was never quite sure about him. I think he was more... He dribbled into blind alleys a lot. But McManaman, don't think was particularly... That's controversial. I mean, he must have had something about him to play for Real Madrid, or is that just lazy? Real Madrid on a free transfer um, for a start. He played, though. He, he played, but I think he was more functional than anything. But, yeah, may, maybe, but I don't see much difference between... I didn't think he was class. No, I didn't see much difference between him and, say, even like Aaron Lennon or someone, you know, it's... Or Wilfred Sahar oh, without pace. Yeah, no, yeah, no, that's... Yeah. All right, so strikers... Shearer, yeah, fair enough. But then isn't Harry Kane very much sim- similar player, similar type record? But wasn't Shearer a few years down the line of doing what Kane's done for longer? To a point, but I remember before United 6, Shearer was being slated because he had never scored or scored for England, or at the very least, hadn't scored for about 10 games or something. Really? You remember a lot. I don't remember no, this, and I'm no older. That was my first term I was really into football, so I remember it quite well. But yeah, Shearer was like, until United 6, he was... He was under a lot of pressure. He was not rated at all. Who is his partner? Sheringham. Oh, I've never been a massive fan. Well, he, regardless of what people think he was good, at the end of the day, he was playing for Spurs. So He's no better than Sturridge. I'd say, I'd say that's not even close. I'd say Sturridge is definitely better. No, Sheringham, like, he played for a sixth-place club, and until he moved to United, which was a lot after, never played at the highest level. And I'm, I'm not one, as, as I say, that necessarily says you have to, but in this day and age, it's said that you do that. So Sheringham now, he'd be the equivalent of someone like... I know he plays for Southampton regularly. 
not Jay, not 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 long. <laughs> no, no, no. Because but someone who's someone who's good, a pillar. Different type Different of player. Type of player but, but I'm saying in terms of like level, guy, he'd be, he'd be like nowadays he'd be like, why are we picking him? But they say he used to create a lot rather than just score a lot. No, but I'm not criticising this style of play. I'm criticising the fact that the team he plays for would nowadays not be considered good enough. He wouldn't be, maybe he wouldn't be there. Yeah, he, he would not be in our squad because he wouldn't be considered good enough. It'd be like, oh, he needs to play at a higher level. And that's the thing. He, he didn't. He played for Spurs. Um, and then the other two strikers, I believe, were Ferdinand and Fowler. Right, Fowler was a good talent. Fowler, Fowler was a good talent, yeah. Possibly, I still think Sturridge is better than him. And yeah, he, always, he, he never quite made it over the line. No, he didn't. Line. <laughs> and Ferdinand, I don't know, again, we, mid-table striker for me. Really? Yeah, maybe slightly higher. Again, before, a bit before yeah, my time, my boy. Higher, but, but, yeah, again, I, I, I certainly fancy our, our striker options more than, more than theirs. Oh, I mean, that's got to be our strength in the team, yeah. right? I mean, our strength in the team is we've got some good central midfielders in terms of uh, Ali, etc. But um, we've got no width, but surely it's the fact that we've got Kane. And for me, Kane and Sturridge, I know that seems harsh and rowdy, but for me, Kane and Sturridge are genuinely very impressive. Yeah, and uh, yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, I mean, with this comparison, it's very difficult to do it under um, under different eras. But the point I'm trying to make is that if you judge these guys on today's criteria, rightly or wrongly, they, you wouldn't think they're as good. Therefore, we should be raving more about this team. Exactly. So along those lines, let's compare our team to other nations. Yeah. So what I've done here, I've done research um, into pretty much most of the players for, or if not all the players, for Germany, Spain and Belgium. That sounds like you. You do the research and I'll just sit here and not. Well, yeah, but I, I think you're, you're more the hands-on watch the games and more the research kind of guy. Okay. Um, Together so, we're half competent at human being in football. Just about, maybe, yeah. <laughs> okay. More so, than Martin Keown and his Leicester comment. Half com- competent. Is, is far sufficient than most in this but uh, there we go right so Germany so I was looking looking at some of their players so Marco Rice does look really good from his stats point of view attacking midfielder lots of goals lots of assists he hasn't made the squad but I think that's because of injury okay um, but but that's the first one to say Goetze Goetze his best season was one uh, had a goal ratio of one in three and but he did that quite a lot even for Bayern when he wasn't playing much but the big season that got him his move or, or when people really started to take notice of him at Borussia seven assists and eight goals for an attacking midfielder but one in three since is good but I agree that it does, it's strange that he got the move on that yeah, definitely. And you can, you can make up all arbitrary criteria, you know, he looked good and that kind of stuff. But They did get to the Champions League final, you must have played a part. Yeah, and I know, I, I agree, I agree, I agree, I'm not saying otherwise, but there was other guys who scored a lot of goals for them. And Kagawa also had a good season there as well and got a move to United. But the point is, is that, I'm not even saying he's a bad player, I'm not even saying he isn't a good player, but I think if you judged him, as I say, we'll, 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 we'll criticise someone like Sterling, who had a similar, who has actually a similar ratio for Man City this year. We different player, different different player. Fine, but I mean, he he is. Uh, is he going to start for them? He or might be Ozil. He might do. I don't know. Or both. Um, I mean, we've got Ali, Ali. I know Ali's not not been doing it for too long, but I would argue he's he's something special from what I, from oh, you know. Like he's he's had an exceptional season. I mean, it's difficult to just do it by stats, of course. And I've watched him a few times, never been that impressed. But the point is, is that. For the hype he gets, particularly back in the past, and even now, people go, oh, Goetze, that would be an amazing move for Liverpool to sign him, and, you know, Goetze would be great for him it to really be. Wouldn't. They've got Coutinho. No, I agree. He's this much is, better. 
this this is my point exactly. You got a hat trick for Brazil, by the way. He did against Haiti, but still, yeah. But but, but this but this is this is my point still is that because of his reputation, people think he's a great player, and will look at Germany and go, ah, oh, they've got Goetzer. I I don't get it. No, I agree. I agree with you. I I, I agree with this uh, a lot of what the points I know you're going to make because it's something that I make people. Content. Make out a lot, and yeah, they're not actually that special. No, definitely. All right. Okay, so um, the next one is Mario Gomez, and actually, this one surprised me a little bit because I I actually had a bit of a based on the reputation. I thought he was a bit of a clogger. I didn't think he was going to be that good, but his goal record is really really good, and not not just not just uh, um, his current club now in Turkey, but also for Bayern Munich as well. So he's someone. What's somewhat, his record? Um, I haven't got it down here, but it was pretty much almost a goal a game in Turkey, and at Bayern Munich, it was one in two. Impressive, real off some of the others. Yeah, so but uh, the point I want to make at Gomez is that I'm not looking to just automatically say the England players are better and foreign players aren't. I'm judging it objectively, and Gomez, I was genuinely surprised at. So I think Gomez has probably been even slightly underrated in the scheme of things. Um, the next one, um, his name escapes me, but Germany have this. I've called up this guy who is who's very young, and he's only played 15 times for Bayern um, for getting a called up. And this this strikes me as such an England pick. A guy who was playing for a slightly lower club, not getting a chance, and then plays a couple of games for Bayern, and mo- not, not even regularly, and he was in the squad. But either way, we shouldn't really feel that he should be particularly feared. This, this guy, if they're calling up a guy based on 15 appearances for Bayern. Fair enough. 15 games, that's yeah. nothing. Um, but he could be a squad player for experience. Now, the interesting thing for me is that I've picked the two guys that they've, they're taking as forwards, but the third guy they put as a forward is a winner called Sane and he basically has only had one full season with a club who finished sixth and he and albeit he's a winger rather than a striker his goal record is 18-33 and alright I don't have access to the assists but with that record and with the fact that he's only played one season for a team that finished sixth he's basically their equivalent of Sterling and I'm not talking about Sterling now I'm talking about Sterling when he had his Liverpool season so the strike force, if we're judging it on the same standards England have, we've got one guy, Gomez, who actually does have a top goal-scoring record. We have another guy who's got, who, as their forward, who's had one season under his belt with eight goals in 33 for right. a sixth-place side. And we've got Goetzer, who we've already discussed. He's, not, he's, a, he's an attacking midfielder, right? Yeah, but he's down as a forward in the Germany, in the Germany squad. Okay. But this is what I mean. Does that frighten you? It doesn't. I mean, no, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, we know Gomez completely relies on service as well. Um, I mean, to be honest, when I looked at Germany against England in the friendly as well, it didn't particularly frighten me. Player for player, I think their players are overrated. I think it's only because our centre backs are weak that that, that they're stronger there, and I just don't think. Yeah, right. I'm I'm going to talk about this centre back thing. Okay, so right, so we say our centre backs are weak. I'm not going to necessarily disagree. Germany's centre backs are Boateng and Hummels. Boateng, Man City reject, and to be honest, looks quite exposed when he plays for Bayern. Hummels, maybe Hummels of three or four years ago you said it was great, but he has been injured and hasn't played that much subsequently in, in recent times. And I mean, all right, he's got his move to Bayern, but I've never been that impressed when I see Hummels. And as I said, you could easily look just from the outside in at someone like Cahill's record and think he's a brilliant defender. You could even easily look from the outside in and look at uh, Smallings and say he's a very capable defender. So, yeah, I'm not necessarily saying these guys are worse or better, but as I say, if we judge them on the same criteria as we do with the other Germans, I think, I think, um, I think we could be a lot harsher on the German defence. 
I mean, I definitely agree with the Boateng thing. I mean, he was quite slated at City. I think Hummels is a bit better than you make out, even though you know he's not exactly old and some injuries, but he's a real leader. Yeah. Um... But I don't think it's exceptional. I don't think Germany are. I just think, like, um, like I almost said about Australia in the last World Cup, that you know they've got a good mentality. They don't bottle it. And... The media are probably different, I assume, in that they're looking for the positives and not just looking to build up and then knock down. True, no, exactly. But as I just want to make the point that we're very quick to say our defence is weak, but I think, as I say, judge it on the other criteria, I think Germany's defence could be argued almost as weak as ours. The only real difference is Hummels, and that's down to opinion. Okay, fair enough. Okay, who, who else have you got on your list? Draxler. So, I, I, I like the look of him when I see him. All right, so, yeah, okay, so you like the look of him, but he's someone with a lot of hype. Let's talk Draxler. He's moved from Schalke to Wolfsburg. So, sixth place side to fifth place side. So, again, this guy isn't playing for a top-level team, and I'm not even saying you have to be a great player to play for a top-level team, but, uh, but, we, but that's a criteria we assign for England squads and England players. So, we should assign to German guys. And he has 7 in 26 for a winger, which is quite poor, and that's been his best season. And if he was that good, then when he moved from Schalke to Wolfsburg, surely a better club would have gone for him. But he's exactly the type that will think, ah, they've got Drax, I've heard a lot about him, he's really, really good. His record does not hold up. Well, we'd, we'd say, oh, Drax, he's really, really good, and oh, we've only got Ali. I mean, I like Draxler, I do, from what I've seen. But I like Ali, from what I've seen. So why should we be any less scared? I mean, Ali's doing it in a better league as well. Yeah, most definitely. But if Draxler was English and had that record in the English league, we wouldn't be picking him, and and maybe rightly so. But we wouldn't even be giving him a chance, and we'd be saying this guy isn't partic- isn't particularly good. What about people like Stones? Don't they play for clubs that are mediocre and they get hyped though? So maybe we would Barkley. As, yeah, Stones, Stones and Barkley tend to be the exceptions rather than rules, simply because they've got hype behind them. Um, but uh, yeah, I do agree. I don't think it's right for them either. But at least with them, they're very young, particularly Stones, and you can see something in them. I'm not sure why I see this thing in stones. That's yeah, no, fair, no, fair enough. I get that. All right, so here, here's, 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 here's a few kickers that will, that will really strengthen this. Uh, Podolski's in their squad. He's past it, isn't he? I don't think he was ever in it. Well, who's he played for now? Uh, Galatasaray, I think. Really? Yeah. All right, so Emre Chan starts in defence for them, or the very least, when he does play, he plays in defence. Right. Emre Chan. I mean, isn't that a bit desperate that we're playing a midfielder in defence? Wasn't Rogers really slated for that? That's a fair point, and I think he's very average anyway. He's, he's certainly, he's certainly like we, we consider him average in the Liverpool team, who are an average team. So where would he get in the England squad? Exactly. All right. So now here's another one: is that they've got a defender called Mustafi, who who was an Everton reject. Really? Literally, he never played a game for Everton. He was in their squad and was well, he's in their in their youth setup or whatever, and he was rejected. Like, never played a game and they sold him off. Even Tony Hibbert's got loads of games for Everton. Exactly, and that's not to say you can't be a good player, but by by doing that, and he seems to have done okay for himself. Again, not a high level, playing for a fifth or sixth level German side, seventh or eighth place teams. Again, and that's not to say it's a bad thing, but we'd exact he'd never get in England squad. Be going, well, he's not good enough for Everton, and now he's clogging along at Southampton. We'd be so snobbish about picking him, but yet, because he's for Germany, we're thinking, you know, we're making that Germany are a good side, but they've got guys like him in there. It's a fair point. I mean, Drinkwater's even got the um, history of being at United. Do you think that that might carry him through? But because Leicester aren't fashionable, even when they win the league, unlike yeah. this guy's team, exactly. we, don't, we don't let him in the squad. 
Right, and now here's here's the real big thing. Their left back, who starts, I think, most games, he plays for a mid-table German side. I mean, I think they finished ninth or tenth. We're so snobbish about picking a Cresswell. We won't even get a Cresswell chance yet. Germany, this so-called better nation than us, starting starting left back, plays for a mid-table German side. I it's a fair point. I don't know how Cresswell hasn't been in the squad this season. Okay, Rose came through late, but. Who were we even playing at left back before? Because Gibbs, no... Gibbs was in and out. Gibbs was in and out. Was he playing before? I think so. Well, more so than Cresswell. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get onto stats, but he's one of the players I don't know how hasn't been given a chance. Were you going to get onto the stats of the eleven? Um, yeah, yeah, potentially. But yeah, I mean, this is it. So I've, I've, I've made two point, points here. Firstly, if we're judging the German squads on how we judge our England players, then they do a lot of them do fall short. And secondly. I would say, and I'd be interested in your opinion on this, Stefan, as someone who hasn't looked in the stats in the same way I have, is based on that, do you think Germany have a better selection policy than we do? Yeah, but I do know that they've talked about having issues with their fullbacks. They are scared about that. Mm. No, fair enough. But we never really mention it, as, a, as in a media or a country. And basically, all the, all the other, um, all the other um, German players we know about, they've got Oetzel, they've got Müller, they've got Kadira. Um, I, I don't think any of those are truly top class. I know Miller's got. You can argue Miller. I mean, I, I'm with it, you on that. But you can. He gets argue the goal. That. His goal record is. And as I say, if you're judging him on England standards, you'd say he is. He would. He would be good. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, he's done it in tournaments more than Rooney. But exactly. When he's got the ball, I don't really see anything special. I'm not. We've spoken about Ozil at length earlier yeah, in the exactly, season. Exactly. And Kadero, he's nothing special. And and he's and he's had injuries and's not set the world alight. Juventus, and um, so that I think. Oh yeah, and and to be fair, the goalkeeper is good. Yeah, but hasn't he been making more mistakes in recent? Yeah, I agree. I've actually I've actually started to not be a massive fan of Neuer because whenever I see him in Champions League, he's a type that will let in goals where not necessarily they're not necessarily ones you blame him for, but they're kind of shots that kind of go at the near post or have a bit of power that are fairly straight at him and then just know and we've talked about goalkeepers to death in this kind of thing I just know if that was a goalkeeper that wasn't rated there'd be a lot of criticism for the goals he's let in I agree we're, we're critical of Hart when he does less and I love Hart mm. but well, you've got to be fair, it's a lack of consistency yeah, yeah. So, so based on so now you've seen you've heard what I've said you've seen the squad what do you think about Germany's squad I know you weren't massive fans to begin with but it, it doesn't surprise me I, I didn't think when they won the World Cup that their squad was exceptional I thought that they um, that they get the most out of what they've got they play without fear um, I didn't really know much about their selection policy in terms of you know really analysing it and now having analysed it I think that, that you're right we, that we wouldn't be picking those types of players um, we wouldn't be picking the Cresswells etc equivalent of these players so it seems a better selection policy yeah. it's not a scary squad though no, definitely. But then, but then, if we're not going to have that selection criteria, if we're picking, if we're, if we're not, if we wouldn't pick, say, half that German side for the various criteria reasons we've discussed, then if these guys, if these most of these German players aren't good, good enough to get in our side based on our selection criteria, then surely then we should be a lot better than Germany and not fear them. Yes, on paper, but we they've they've done something we haven't, which is go out there and actually play well and prove it. And uh, we've always bottled that, which is a, a, a not on paper argument. No, no, I I agree. But the point is, is that we shouldn't have this attitude that 
journey yeah. are better than us. We certainly shouldn't have this crazy fear. We should be wary of the fact that they've got some experience in big game situations and they've come through the other end. But in terms of talent-wise, no, we shouldn't. No, and I was quite surprised by this. I actually thought I was I was particularly surprised about the mid-table fullbacks and so on. I thought Germany would have a bit more. But anyway, so let's move on to France now. So, um, they've been losing in pre-seasons in, in friendlies as well, by the way. Interesting. Germany. Okay, Slovakia. So if we make out we were amazing to win them against them in the friendly, then better watch out for Slovakia. Well, maybe they're maybe they're the actual Leicester. Who knows? All right. So France, they're still playing Evera. Yeah, but he's had a bit of a renaissance, hasn't he? No, fair, fair enough. But 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 again, you know that could be. The, the French have admitted that the defence is is their weakness. Okay, so but this so so again we we've said our defense is weak. We've already mentioned Germany's. Well, that's that's my so. point. As is weak, but especially France, it's it's no weaker than theirs. They're just too weak, and this is why I don't get this over the top of our. You know, he's he's not international class, international level. How, people say stuff like that about drink water, but how on earth is this international level with all these weaknesses that we're picking up any better than Premier League level? So it's not that strong in, in all areas. Exactly, and again, if you're going to be consistent in that criteria and say there is an international level, I'd say two-thirds of that Germany squad at least don't make international level. If, if you're doing it on that sort of level. But um, mm. French, the French midfield's the super strong one, but even they've got Kabaya. Right, and, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll get on to that. So, so yeah, Everell, fair enough, Renaissance. Um, their other, their right, their, I think he's either left or right back, is that they've got um, uh, uh, Diane, and he's out and loan as he can't get into the PSG side. You know, does that suggest he's top level? No, but where's he out alone to? I can't remember, but I don't remember it being a particularly an amazing side. I don't see. I don't see if how that would happen in England. If it was, I don't know. Um, Man City player on loan at Sporting Lisbon. Yeah. I don't see it. I don't think. Like Phil, maybe Phil Jones, if he wasn't in, he'd be out on loan. Yeah. It was, it's, yeah. it's harsh, but fair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, Mangala, not going to say any more with that. Um, they, I mean, right, I'm going to put a context in this. They've got another guy called um, Rami, but he's only in due to injuries for other players, to be fair. But no, I've heard, I've heard he's going to start. I've heard oh, really yeah, but, but that's because he, wouldn't, he wasn't in the squad initially. But I've heard he's, he's the one who might hold the, the defence, that him and Koscielny might be the ones, but they're still worried about that. Yeah, yeah I mean, Koscielny's good, fine. But Rami, though, though, again, you talk about that international level, the highest team he's basically had a career of teams like at Valencia and stuff like that which are which are good sides and they've done they played in Champions League but you wouldn't exactly say I've looked at his record he doesn't scream a top level player it's kind of fairly good it's a fair point yeah, yeah. alright so I think that's the defence I've really done because the others like Koscielny and that we know about um, and Sanya and so on although Sanya's getting old as well alright so um, midfielders Right, world-class midfielders. We talked about Pogba and Paye and so on. But they've also got Kabai and Sissoko and Schneiderling in their squad. Fair point. Um, and even with the world-class ones, I'd be interested to see if they try and fit them all in or if they actually play you know, a more balanced team. And let's, let's look at Kabai, Sissoko and Schneiderling. Do you think if they were English and doing exactly the same thing but didn't, get, but didn't have the reputation behind them, would they get in our squads? I'd well, Schneiderlin would because he's at yeah, United, yeah, but he wouldn't have at Southampton. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Schneiderlin probably would for that reason. Um, goodbye, Newcastle, you know, maybe, maybe wouldn't now because he's playing for Palace. And no, so, no chance. I mean, let's just put this into context. Scott Dan was exceptional this season and didn't get near the England squad. So how would Kabai, who hasn't been exceptional, get there unless it was for the fact that he's this so-called reputation foreign big-name player? 
Agree. And and then and then certainly not Sissoko. Right, and, and again, um, we made this point earlier, Kante's been exceptional, but if he was English, never would have picked him for the reasons we talked about earlier. Well, no, because as exceptional as he has been and, he ha- and he has, Drinkwater's been a sliver less than that, very close. So why would a sliver make a difference when you've got injured Hendersons and Wiltshires in front of him? We'd rather take injured players who have never had exceptional seasons and have only had... One exceptional game for England, I would argue, and that's Wilshire one game against an average team. Um, but we'll pick them, and we won't pick this player who's a slither under Kante. Yeah. And what will get me, though, is then then now we're saying, oh, France's midfield is so awesome. It, it, their, their starting is with Griezmann as well, if you call him a midfielder, Griezmann. Yeah. Th- their starting f- are, yeah, but yeah. the depth... Depth is like for like when you compare yeah it yeah. wouldn't make our bench exactly but the point i'm making is that if we're so like if france is so good yet they're picking guys we wouldn't pick then surely we shouldn't fear then surely we're the best side maybe as a squad but as the starting four midfielders yeah, or whatever it is but then, that, yeah. that's not what people say that's not what people say that that's no, not they say the squad overall yeah yeah, yeah. And we and we we do we've many times have heard if kante was english all right so i still in the midfield but more the wingers um, their wingers are pretty good actually it's Griezmann Marshall and Kingsley Coman um, Griezmann um, but that being said let's, let's, look, let's judge their record in terms of how we're judging uh, our players Griezmann top level player I think I think that wouldn't be an issue I think not anymore no I think he's proven that at yeah, least yeah. in the last year right Marsh, Martial Martial is an interesting one because I, I remember like there was a stat saying that his record isn't significantly better and I mean I'm talking one or two more goals maybe than Sterling's this season to be honest I think he's been overhyped I think there's potential there's promise but for the money it's nothing amazing has he been any better than Welbeck would over a whole season for United arguably not Arguably not. Okay, and then the other one, Coman. Coman has looked really, really good for Bayern when he's played, but to again, and this is something we could pick on if we wanted to. He was loaned out to Bayern by Juventus, so he obviously you could you could argue and go, oh, he wasn't good enough for Juventus. He's a squad player at Bayern. It's a two-year loan with an optional fee signing at the end. Yeah. It was strange. Any worse than Welbeck? I don't know. I haven't seen enough of him. No, no, and I'm not. I'm not saying he is. I've liked him. I've seen him. But you could easily look at his record and make that comparison. Is what I'm saying. Or even a comparison like a Rashford in terms of not enough games as well. Yeah, yeah, true. All right. So now the strikers. Giroud is their number one. That's not even the worst part. The worst. Well, hang on, hang on. We got to remember that Giroud is their first starting centre forward because Benzema is a twat, an idiot who gets enrolled in sex videos on phones and blackmail um, and then tries to play as does Cantona the race card so they would have a stronger pick there um, and I like Giroud but regardless they're not picking him though no, and I like Giroud yeah. Um, but yeah Giroud would not be considered and he gets slated in the Premier League so if he was England starting centre forward aka kind of Kane people there'd be outcry yeah and, and but now here's, here's the kicker the second choice striker Ginac plays in Mexico and he's like 36 isn't he something like that Mexico this is I mean how look at our striker for options and then their second choice guy plays in Mexico yeah we got Sturridge is arguably number three maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe even four put it, if you put Rooney up yeah, there yeah, yeah. yeah which is crazy yeah so so let's, let's, so let's look at France then so goalkeeper very good 
But um, so is us. Exactly. So, so, is so there's our comparison. Defence, arguably not any worse than us. Yeah, both both weak. But full-backs and bomb forward. Equ- equally weak f- yeah. defence. Midfield, their starting ones are better, but as a squad... I mean, I don't rate the ones we've got on the bench, but we had better options, etc. You know, they've got weak bench players. Yeah. So, I think we have, but I think <laughs> England don't. England could have picked stronger ones and people consider them to be strong. Exactly. And our strike force comfortably beats theirs. So based on that, based on that, I think we're better if we do it in that analysis. Home advantage though. Yeah, fair enough. Um, But either way. So let's let's move on to Spain. So so Spain, um, we we've discussed this because you you tell me the story about your friend at work, Stefan. Yeah, I was uh, ranting and raving about the fact that we just pick big name players who play for big clubs to the Spanish guy and saying, well, you know, you you don't do that because you've got that 35-year-old guy up front who uh, hasn't played since he was 29 and that was his first breakthrough, I think, into the Spain squad. So, um, you know, obviously you don't do that. And he disagreed. He said that basically they pick a bunch of Real Madrid and Barca players even if they barely play for those two big clubs. Um to the extent where they've actually had I can't even remember which centre back it is now he's the one at Napoli um, but this guy got into the Sp- uh, Spain squads all the time and played when he was at Real Madrid even though he didn't play much for Real Madrid he played a little bit but not a great deal mm. and then as soon as he went to Napoli and he's been player of the season for Napoli apparently or, or exceptional he doesn't get into the squad and they pick other people who are at like Real Madrid because okay. now he's not fashionable. So the Spanish guy was actually saying that it goes on for other nations too. Maybe we just don't know enough, you know, of the depth about it. He was equally frustrated by it though. He wasn't accepting it. Yeah, so all right, so I will take that point, but that's what we're doing today. And based based on what we've based on what we've seen so far for Germany and France, do you think the other nations are as bad? No. Okay. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. So let's go through Spain. Let's go through Spain. So they've left out, and there's actually probably more than this, but um, these are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. So Costa, Alonso, Cazorla, Reina, Torres, and Mata. England. Cazorla's hmm? been injured. All right, but. The rest. Yeah. England. I think England would pick every single one of those names. <laughs> they'd probably pick Cazorla based on the Wilshire thing. Yeah, they'd, they'd probably... And in fact, Cazorla's done more at Arsenal to prove his worth than Wilshire's ever done. Yeah, and you know, I would say they would pick Reina, even though he's a Bayern Munich reserve. And, and if anyone doubts me, think of how many times Gibbs got in our squad. I mean, it's, it's not exactly a like-for-like comparison, but I, I see your point, yeah. Um, they are players that you would not expect them to, to leave out. Um if that was England because you know they're big name players I mean Costa when he, as soon as he'd get into an England squad he'd never be out of it Yeah, and Torres we'd still be picking Torres because we'd still be thinking oh there's something in him and stuff only because he's at a big club I mean, look at Defoe yeah well we're going to come, come we're going to come to Defoe very very soon with that but yeah so based on that would you then say you're, you're, that we're I mean we'll, we'll continue on but would you say that Spain are Worse than us, or on the same level as us, because I I think we'd what, pick all those mean, players. You mean in terms of picking reputations? Yeah, I'd I'd have to analyse this one a, a little bit more in depth than just what we've done there because of. Uh, yeah, we'll go through more. Yeah. yeah, but but I still think even with that, because we would pick all those players. 
we we pick those players. I get on the face of it, which is the point I made to him. Yeah. Um, then it seems definitely that they're better, but maybe there's you know sometimes we need real detail. Well, we're gonna get it. We need we need we need to ring him up. We need to ring up Richard as our Spanish correspondent. So we, in London. Yeah. So we're going to get that then. So the goalkeepers, De Gea and Casillas. Enough said about those two. Um, I, d- I don't think they're any better than what we've got. Uh, I wouldn't argue, no. I mean, everyone raves about De Gea, but I think Hart is just as good. Okay. Casillas is overrated and old. Yeah. Um, and we've got Fraser Forster. Yeah. Okay, maybe maybe uh, there's not a great deal there, but anyway. No. And um, their third choice goalkeeper is called Rico. He's a Sevilla number one. But in the, in the, Euro- in the Euro- Europa League campaign, he wasn't playing. Replaced by a youngster. Is that just because they rest people for Europa? Oh, no, they don't, do they? No, no, they don't. Yeah, so they go and win it. That's interesting, but difficult. John doesn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> difficult one because um, of, of the context. Now, now I've been very fair in this because I, I take your point what your Spanish friend said. So, this is what I've done for the defence. They've got, I've, and I've written here, Bartra is, is, is in their squad and he's a, he's a Barcelona, a fourth-choice centre-back at Barcelona. So, I've even written here... Bartra, fourth choice centre back at Barca. Brackets, a very England pick. Yep, that's so, a Phil Jones esque sort exactly. of if he was. So, so I'm backing your mate here. I'm backing your mate here because I, I'm being objective about this. And yeah, he 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 has a point there. Right, I Alba's there. Alba's Alba's their left back. But if Alba was English or has a lack of reputation, there'd be far more attention on the fact that he just bombs forward with no defence. We're, we're quick to say Rose and Walker can't defend, but yet for foreign players like an Alba, we think it's classy. And Marcelo, oh, he's just he's terrible. Not a European yeah. player, but for yeah. you know, people don't make that that criticism of him enough. Okay, so that's it. So as for the Quetta, poor bang average would 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 not start for England. I put it that way. Well, he might because he plays for Chelsea. But, yeah, but, but in terms of yeah, yeah. he wouldn't. He yeah, he's not. He's not great. Bellerin, while good, has really been only for half a season consistently. I don't know. No, I disagree. I've liked him even last season. I think you may have liked him, but I don't know. I, I just don't trust that kind of. It almost seems like oh, he's hype. Let's pick him. No, I genuinely do like him. I'm not yeah. saying he's perfect defensively, but he offers so much going forward, and I don't think he's a travesty defensively, especially in a weak Arsenal kind of. Does Does he get an England squad? What on pure ability? No, like so. Let's say Bellerin is English. Do you pick him in Arsenal? Of course, because he's an Arsenal player. No, but do you personally? Oh, do I personally pick him? Yes, but I'd put him on the same level as Klein and Walker. Yes, so would I. So would I. So. But then I can't have three right backs. No, but, but, the point, but the point is, he's no, he's no better or worse than what we have. Um, Ramos, fine. You know, I'm, I'm not necessarily his biggest fan, but I think you know, his record holds up well. Um, PK has the easiest job in the world at Barcelona. And I'm going to say here, I've written here, that if PK, if we rate PK, then we should rate our guys under the same criteria. So why is PK rated? PK is rated because he plays for Barcelona and they win titles. As I've said, you could easily interpret Gary Cahill's record in that same manner. And you could compare how easy it is for Smalling to defend in such a deep line as how easy it is for PK to defend against clubs were small absolutely and if you then say about his ball playing ability then you could say that about stones as well i also want to make the point is that he was a man united reject and again that could be interpreted quite negatively well uh, daddy drink water okay <laughs> a bigger club now yeah but yeah a title winning so, club yeah. for the record exactly so yeah so P- pk no there's um judge nice judge on the same criteria we do i don't think he holds up at all all right Not so we as in the nation. yeah yeah as a nation's criteria yeah right um so 
onto the mid. So, what, what do you think of the defense? I've gone through the defense. But both in terms of oh, ability Spain. and in terms of reputation of picking. So, a a does the defense is the defense any better than ours? And b do what 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 do you think in terms of like are Spain any worse than England in terms of picking reputation? I think it is better than ours, to be honest. Despite what some of the points that we've made, uh, the Spain defense. Yeah, I yeah. do. Yeah. Despite those weaknesses, and I say that also because I know that they've only conceded like one goal in the last two years or something. It's been a long time. Yeah, I, th I think the only thing that makes that defence a bit better than ours is because of Ramos. I, th I think the rest of them are very equivalent. I think Ramos just gives that slight bit of difference. But I think the reason why they don't concede too much is because their midfield retains the ball a lot. In terms of reputation, though, they're all big-name players, but uh, in terms of at the clubs that they're at. Mm. So maybe they are as bad in that respect, or maybe they just deserve it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think the big one for me was that was that fourth place, um, fourth choice centre back at Barcelona. I think oh, the rest. Bartra. Well, that yeah, is, yeah. So they are as bad. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. But I think that's one example. I think we could have a lot more. But we'll see. But I think that's the only one I would question. That yeah, behind Mascherano. Yeah. Who you know has been good for the Barca there, but you'd argue is not an out and out natural centre back. Definitely, but he's the only one to question with that so far. Right. So then uh, midfield, Biscuits, Iniesta, Silva, and Fabregas. We know about. But I'm going to tell you an interesting stat about Iniesta. How many goals do you think Iniesta has scored in two years for Barcelona? 20 lower 12 lower 7 lower 4 lower no 3 lower 2 lower 1 yes no way how yep. is I could score goals with that Barcelona <laughs> side yeah <laughs> yeah I mean it is in the league as, as a bit of context but yeah one goal in two years in the league has he been injured or something? He's twenty-eight games. Twenty-eight games this season. Twenty-four last. Enough. Yeah. I don't know what to say. That surprises <laughs> me. Is he just the like, you know, Paul Scholes? They've moved him deeper than he used to be as he gets older. I don't know. But, but even if he is, then he's not really doing much, is he? He's doing a link-up play that a lot of players could probably do. Yeah, and Fabregas though being there suggests that maybe they are. Uh, a pick by reputation as well. Yeah, but I can I, I can accept Fabregas because like no, I can't. oh right 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 okay. He's no. been he looks overweight. He looks until the last few games he was shit. So do you think it's worse that they picked him than us picking Wilshire? Because at least Fabregas has as seasons behind him and he's a better player. True, but I think they're both poor picks. But maybe they didn't have enough other options. Yeah, that's the thing. I agree, it's levels, but I still think like that's. The Wiltshire thing is a lot worse than the Fabregas thing, albeit the Fabregas thing is quite bad. All right, so here's, here's where I'm going to defend your mate again. They've got a guy called Vas Vasquez. He, played in the, he came on in the Champions League final. Um, so how would you think Vasquez is, you know, young guy coming on for the Champions League final for Madrid? 22. Older. 24? Yes. So That's not really that young. No, so, so what I've put, I've put equivalent to Lingard, it might be argued. Bit part player playing for a big club. You could argue the fact that Lingard's not in the English squad proves that actually uh, we're wrong. Yeah, well, I'm going to say for that particular example that I do think that's what that'd be one example where Spain have actually done something worse than England in that respect. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say your mate has a point with that. Uh, going to Lingard, we could have done with a bit of pace as well, wingish. Yeah, but the thing is, United's position slightly dropped, so his reputation rating slightly dropped, so we can pick him. That's how it works. Maybe, but um, he wasn't in England squad early in the season, so I know that's what links to what you just said yeah. there, but yeah. 
Interesting, that. Yeah. Weird, he's it? not been spoken about, no, has he? No, and he's been playing. Yeah. All right, so next guy is a guy called Soriano, who's a 31-year-old defensive midfielder who's played at Villarreal his whole life. Does that sound like a superstar? No, I mean, Delph probably wouldn't still be picked if he was at Aston Villa. I know he was when he was there for a bit. Mm. And that's probably the sort of equivalent if Villa stayed up. Yeah, true. And, uh, I mean, Villa are higher in the league, but I get your point. It's kind of like, yeah. Villa weren't always that though. No, no. All right, um, so... But the, the, the very least, probably no, no, wor- no worse than, like, um, no better than Henderson, so... All right, now this one in their squad is someone called Mikel San Jose. Mikel Hanzo's San Jose is a guy who was a Liverpool reject. So kind of like the um, Mustafi for Germany, as in like, was in Liverpool, was around in Liverpool, but never played. And he has since then moved to Bilbao and stayed at Bilbao his entire career, who are like an eighth place side in Spain. Sixth to eighth place side. So again, nothing special. So they're playing a guy who was a Liverpool reject and um, sixth to eighth place side in Spain. And his goal record or assist record isn't great. Job in centre midfielder. So it's like if Danny Drinkwater was more average and at a team that didn't win the league, he'd have a better chance of getting in the Spain squad, but not England. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so Has that's... he been at United? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, Koke looks pretty good. And he so does. does Thiago. Yeah, Koke and Thiago, there will be no arguments from me there. Uh, Thiago's not got many caps, you know. No, but he's had injuries, so I was looking up his injury record. Right, so... Okay, so... I think with the midfield, they have, they have to a point done in England, particularly with Vasquez, but they've also picked guys that... We probably wouldn't. Right, forwards. Now this is where it gets interesting. Pedro's in their squad. Your mate has a point there. Yeah, he's not had a great season. I do quite like him. I do. I'm not saying he's top class, but I like a bit of pace. But yeah, that's a fair point. There must be players who are more in form in that league. All right. Now this is what we've been waiting for. For when I kept saying that's 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 not mentioned Defoe till now. The 35-year-old Adrius um, has had a good goal record for a number of seasons now. This season, his goal record is one in two. So your mate said, because of his goal record, it's so good that he could not possibly have been left out. I guess his goal record is very, very similar to his, and I mean very similar. Jermaine Defoe, I've I've got a clue, yeah. Jermaine Defoe. So... How did I get that? Yeah, well, well done. So we've not picked Jermaine Defoe, and you could argue it's because we've got better striking options, but... I do, I do think that if Spain had picked the England, the England philosophy, then this guy wouldn't have been picked, and it, and Costa and Torres would have been picked, and maybe even Soldado. I can't argue with that because Defoe's even more fashionable than him because he was at a more fashionable club and uh, he didn't just make his debut at 29. So that's actually um, particularly credit worthy for Spain, even if it is because he scored a lot of goals. Like you know, if the records are similar, and in a league where. Uh, Goals are generally scored more, um, and he was in a struggling Apart from side. from Well, yeah, and then in a struggling side as well for Sunderland, is what I mean. Is yeah, uh, yeah. yeah that that one um, proves that although there were some questionable picks, that uh, the England philosophy I think is worse. Yeah, definitely. But it also says as well that we shouldn't necessarily fear like that that kind of thing because even if he is about the same as Defoe, if Defoe was in our squad, I don't think anyone would significantly think we're brilliant. No, they'd, they'd, they'd talk us down below Slovakia. Most definitely. All right, so they've got another guy called Nolito, and looking at his stats, it does look like they hold up. But and he's he's apparently played well in recent friendlies. Yeah, so he does look quite good. Now I'm going to add a bit of context to this. He plays for the same team as Aspas, and Aspas also looks very good. The Liverpool region. Yes. 
So yeah, I'm gonna put that as contest. He's not in the squad, is he? Uh, no, but they they were like a strike partnership for them. Uh-huh. So yeah, and actually with Nolito, give you his career. He used to play for Barcelona, but never really played. He was kind of like a youth player there. Went down to Benfica, and wasn't good enough for Benfica, so went to Celta Vigo. So, kind of a guy who's not just dropped one level, he dropped several levels, and now he's at a mid-table Spanish club, albeit doing well. But again, that could be so well, held well, against him. If it was Scott Dan at a mid-table Premier League club, different position, doing very well, yeah. doesn't mean you get in the squad. You don't even get in the squad if you're doing very well for the title challenges in England. Exactly, but, it, but it's crazy that he's literally like, he's gone down. It indicates that he does have a level, because he's gone down from really high level to a good level like a Benfica Champions League level well, to mid-table Spain level you could argue he's young he's finding himself and he's getting better and then he'll go back up I, I would probably agree with that argument trouble is do England agree with that argument no well as we say Danny Drinkwater could have been finding himself and coming back up exactly exactly but I, I think if there was a guy who I mean we, we I mean we, we had enough doubts about Daniel Sturridge I'm starting to think that the uh, story about Danny Drinkwater not getting into the nightclub in London and waiting for 45 minutes before giving up and then Tottenham players just walking in straight away is, isn't just symbolic about uh, how nightclubs operate but I think the same entrance policy is applied to the England squad Oh, it's so true Now, the, the final striker is Morata So, what do you think of Morata? I've liked him when I've seen him, to be honest I agree So, what do you think Morata's goal record is as a ratio? Probably good at Juve, but I think he's a Barca reject as well, right? No, fair enough. But what do you think his goal record is? Um, Real Madrid rejects, yeah. but what do you think his Juventus goal record is? Uh, I mean, I'd say it has to be slightly better than one in three. Okay. Lower. Really? But I know there's not a great deal of goals in that league, but they're so strong compared right. to the rest so of the league. Lower than that surprises me. One in four? Even lower than one in four. Not quite one in five, but lower than one in four. Wow, I'm surprised. I know he's not small, so he offers some other things, but I'd still expect a lot more at that, that yeah. big club in that league. Yeah, he would be so questioned if he was if he was an English player. Like we'd we'd well, say no, he he's wouldn't because he's at a big club. Oh no, no, fair point. But, but even with that, the fact he was a Real Madrid reject, and he's got his goal record is very questionable. Very questionable. Okay. Remember the pod? Yeah, carry okay. On. So right, so um, I've done. I basically I've basically done this done the Spain squad now. What is your opinions on it? Um, although there were some examples of uh, Bartra, etc., overall they've got a better picking philosophy than we do. I and and do you think there's anything to fear from them? Again, they've got a few quality players, but then so do we. So I think it would be a good game, but not wow, we're amazing, we're massive underdogs. Let's put eleven in behind the ball. So you know we could lose to them, but we could beat them if we had a bit more. Courage. But, and so, based on based on my research, did you think Spain would be better or worse than what they were? Uh, I'm surprised. I mean, I do know that international football isn't you know as highly rated as people make out, as I was saying. But I'm still surprised that some of those picks. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're going to finish off with Belgium. So Belgium, this side we have to be we're quite afraid of. You we've know, done, we've done nothing really in the scheme of competitions. Okay. But anyway. All right. So. Goalkeepers, we know, we know, we know Mignolet, we know. Um, Mignolet is criticised terribly. Yeah, we know Courtois, and um, I've. I didn't write down the third one, but you know he won't play much anyway. Okay, so here's 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 what we're going to go. We're going to go through their defence, and this is quite interesting. So Alderweireld and Vertonghen, good players. Yeah, but is this where you tell me that they play them at fullback? 
they might do, but I think because of company not being in of being injured, I think they'll play Alderfield in centre back. But they probably will play um, Fatonga the left back because their other centre back is Vermeulen. Isn't he still injured? He's played eleven times for Barcelona since he joined from Arsenal, and a lot of that isn't down to injuries. He wasn't even that good at Arsenal. No, he was not. So should we should we fear them? No, if they play with Tongan and Alderweireld at centre back, then yeah, that's a lot stronger than our centre backs. But with those two, apart from uh, Alderweireld's good, but it's a bit more mediocre to say the least. It's going to get worse. So, right, I don't know, I don't know where to sign. How bad this is. All right, so we're being very interrupted by some crazy <laughs> birds out here. But go on, carry on. Right, so the the other guy they've called up is a is a guy called um, uh, Dania, and he's a Man City reserve, as in doesn't get in their squad. And admittedly, part of that is probably down to Man City's selection policy, but still, it's quite quite damning that they have to pick someone who's like a Man United youth player, not Manchester yeah. City youth player. I mean, we'd at least expect them to, you know, like play 15 games and then we'd put them in the squad. Exactly, exactly. But the fact they have to do that. Now, here's the rest of their defence. The rest of their defence um, plays in Belgium. Wow, that's a really weak, weak league. All right, and here's the, here's the kicker. One other guy plays in the MLS. Wow, I think only Beckham got away with that when yeah. he'd been, you know, had his whole reputation behind him. Surprising, shocking, yeah. in fact. So, I mean, we talk about weak squad options. I mean, that's ridiculous. Basically, Can I ask, talking of the MLS, is, is PLO in the Italy squad? Uh, he is not. God, even they've got some sense, yeah. right? But this is the thing: they have a guy playing in the MLS, and we won't even pick Drinkwater or um, Albrighton or Cresswell. Oh, but they're they're actually you know the big team to beat. Yeah. I mean, they have got some good starting eleven players. But people say, "Oh, look at them up front. They've got Lukaku. Well, Kane had a better season, two seasons in a row. They've got Benteke. What the player that everyone's been slating for being rubbish? Yeah, you can't have it both ways. Yeah, yeah um, it's crazy. De Bruyne is great. Can't argue that yeah, one. Yeah. Hazard, one season wonder, but anyway, that's we've spoken about him before. Well, but this is the thing, you say a great eleven, but basically, from what we've seen here, we've, we've looked at their defence, they've got two good defenders. So, they're, they're going to have to play the Maiden and one of, and one of these one of these um, Club Bruges or MOS guys. But, but they've got Fellaini, that's what counts. Well, here we go. So, their midfield, Hazard, De Bruyne, Dembele and Fellaini. We know about these guys, We know people know our opinions, I'm not going to go into them. Wixell is their other one, Fellaini Mark II, but he's just plodded along in Russia his whole career. Hang on, hang on, plodded along, but cost them like 40 million or something. Yeah, but... And he, he was in Benfica before. Yeah, but not really a great, you know... You... No, no, he's, he's average. He, he's yeah. actually considered, you know, Fellaini-esque. Right. So the other guy, and I'm going to struggle to pronounce his name, do you know the guy that um, Chelsea want to sign, the Italian guy, the, the guy who plays in Italy for, for Roma? Roma. Yeah. yeah, he's Belgian, which I didn't know. Yeah. Um... And I was thinking, oh, he must be really good. I looked up his stats. How old do you think he is? 24. I think he's like 27. Really? So, uh, 28 even. And and he, he's only been at Roma for a couple of seasons. Before, he was playing for Cagliari. So, I, I, thought he, I thought he was either really young, so people kind of just heard of him, or just had a really good career, but he's neither. So, basically, he's a bit of a noble, but noble didn't even get in one squad once yeah yeah possibly I mean may, may, maybe if we're pushing it Henderson but yeah I take your point there's another thing we'd be more likely to sign him than a noble yeah but so, why and also particularly as the Italian Big league isn't, isn't that particularly strong now I mean you've got the likes of the Mella who's dominated that league and then come here and struggled he did better this year though yeah but the point is like one of the best players in Italy is would he make the top 100 players in the, in the league maybe you know yeah he'd make the top 100 50 
Probably. I'm not sure. All right. Uh, yeah, just. Okay. So um, they've got a guy called Caracazo who played in the champion, who came on sub with Atletico in the Champions League final and did look good. So he looks pretty good. Um, and he moved for 20 million from, um, from Monaco to Atletico. So a lot of money. And then their other guy is Mertens, who's 29 and he's a winger for Napoli, but he's never really excelled in goals or assists. He's just kind of been there. He has looked good for them when I've seen him, though. No, fair enough, fair enough. But again, not a standout. Now, the strikers we've talked about, it's, we've, it's um, you know, Lukaku, um, Benteke, Origi, who, you know, Klopp mania aside, has looked okay, but nothing more. And, um, well, he won't make the England squad, would Yeah, and they've got this other guy who does look quite good, actually, so that's why he's called um, uh, Bacharani. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah, he's been linked with every big club, but yeah. um, I've seen YouTube videos, and usually they make everyone look good, but I thought he looked a bit raw in them, to be honest. I think he's probably just a pure striker. His goal record is one and two, and it's been like that for a season or two now. So, he, you know, I'm not saying he's good or not, but you'd look at his goal record and say it holds up. He was once linked with Palace, and uh, now looks well out of our reach. <laughs> so, Belgium squad. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've um, been a big advocate of this. I didn't realise to that extent. <laughs> but now it proves even more that whilst they've got a few very good individuals so do England and their depth does not hold up at all OK so now now we've finished that what's your overall opinion that, like now in terms of like comparing to the squads and any preconceptions you had that have changed or anything like that yeah I mean I didn't realise Belgium was that bad and I mean with Belgium it's, it, the second point of oh, have they got a better selection policy I mean Theirs is a lack of options, I yeah, think. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Um, but I'm also a keen advocate of, you know, you can only play 11 players at a time, so it's not always about the depth that you have. Um, and they have got a few good starting 11 players, so they're still a good team, but mm. certainly not as hyped up as they should be. Mm. And with the rest, yeah, I mean, I think you've proven your point. Yeah, um, OK, yeah. So, out of all those, um, who would scare you the most? Like, who do you think is, is sort of the, the best? Well, I still think that some of the tip nations are potentially the best, but that's because of a few key players rather than what's being made out, which is that they've got all exceptional players. You know, that we'd, we'd make out Fellaini's exceptional when he lines up for Belgium. He's the same player that we laugh yeah. at when he plays in the Premier League. Yeah. So I still think that those play, those teams are decent, but for different reasons. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I would agree that I think a lot of it is more mentality and maybe a fair selection policy and a balanced side as opposed to names. But let's, let's, let's make the point then. What we're saying and is, is kind of proving my point about, you know, there's a lot of weak players in the squads at least if not some starting 11s and um, that goes back to my whole thing of this rubbish about international class what does that mean because the club football that we have over here and the money that's flying around suggests that international class is a lower level than um, than it is to be a club player in a, in a top league I mean look at um Republic of Ireland they've got Shea Given in the squad yeah well it's an argument used to justify picking a Rooney or a Wiltshire and not a Drinkwater or an Albright that's what it's used for yeah it is used for that and Drinkwater's probably even got England youth tournament experience as well because being at United I imagine he might have got some youth caps so that's another one that's thrown they haven't got tournament experience well, how do you get it? You give it to them. Yeah. Well, I agree. Um, but yeah, so that that was that was my section on the squad comparisons.
did you have some stats about Premier League players? No, it was more just a stats-based eleven. Um, if you were picking England squads. Yeah, we both looked at this, didn't we? Yeah, and I'm trying to remember what they were. But I, well, the defence was the major difference. difference. Scott Dan was there. Scott Dan, Simon Francis and the um, Charlie Daniels. Who's Simon Francis? He plays for Bournemouth, right back. I thought that was someone else. Or Steve Cook. Maybe it was both of them, actually. Yeah, I think... I don't think it was both. I think it was one. Okay, yeah, I think it was Simon Francis then, yeah. But this is kind of a point I want to make, is that that's an obscure article that we've never seen and... Well, we look. We had to actively almost look for. Um, doesn't get much press attention. And whilst I'm not saying that stats are everything, and that the American MLS style approach of over-the-top money ball is everything, uh, we should at least have the information to to debate and discuss rather than selective stats that are only put there to support big-name players. Um, you've never even heard of, of of the stats of these guys, and it's worth mentioning. I mean, I'm not just saying it because Scott Dan was there. I genuinely don't understand how Scott Dan, who I don't think is the perfect centre back, I really don't, but. He certainly had a good enough season and is a good enough player, considering our weak centre-backs we've been talking about, that he should have been in the squad at some point. Albrighton, same thing applies. Noble, same thing applies. Even... Even though I know that they would have been given one, mis- you know, would have got made one mistake and they would have been uh, used as a scapegoat like, to to get, a, yeah. or or like a Shawcross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, Drinkwater didn't even make mistakes. I thought he got given man of the match by whatever TV channel I was watching the England Holland game on. Not that the game, you know, anyone was exceptional, but you know, I, I looked back on the BBC report and it didn't say he was. But I could have sworn that he got it on ITV or whoever I was watching the yeah, game. He on. did. He did. So how how when he, the only game he's been given, he gets man of the match and he doesn't get in the squad? I just think he was never ever going to be picked. But what we like to do in this country is pretend that we give people a chance rather than being honest and say, you know, so many jobs people apply for, it's already been predetermined who's got it. And this is a, and this is a prime example. Drinkwater was never going to get in the squad, but because they knew there was a bit, would be a bit of an uproar if he didn't give a chance, he didn't get a chance, we, because it looked good, pretended to give him a chance. I don't think it can be any more than that. Either that or Hodgson. You know, it's either this or stupidity. It's one of the two. It's either incompetence or corruption. And I really do think it comes back to maybe what happens in club football. And I'm starting to turn around to this now. Is that I genuinely believe that in club football, I didn't think it would, the logic would carry to international football, has got to the point where it's about brands. It's so much a business and about building brands globally that Wayne Rooney, who has very mediocre and really they should be looking to you know replace him and, and build around someone new will, will not be built around someone new because he, he can justify being on £300,000 a week not for his football ability because he has become a brand that sells shirts in China for Man United and this is what I think football has become either either subconsciously or it's genuinely consciously going on is that they build up the brand by highlighting everything good and hyping everything good and ignoring things that are bad because quite frankly a lot of the global fans in particular although it's a, a trend that's that's going around even in, in the host nations and so on is, is all about brands and image and materialism and, and that's all they want to hear they almost don't want to microanalyze and base on ability and go into that depth they just want to be wearing the big name player shirts for the big name clubs and 
it's, it's getting so much to that extent and so much away from merit and too much business. I'm slightly starting to fall out of love with football, at least, unless I go and start watching Bromley again. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly that that's a good thing to do um, in terms of watching a team like Bromley. But um, I... I, I read something, and it's always suspicious when you say I've read something because of you know how it all works. But um, United, I read that United's policy is to actually try to sign the Galactico each year. They don't care about the football editor; they want it to to the brand. And that's the old Real, philosophy. yeah, is that that's the philosophy they want? They don't even care, and they even don't care so much that they they're concerned about not finishing the Champions League, but not because of money, because they know they get enough anyway. Because they're concerned it will damage the brand. Yeah, uh, record revenues this year. Exactly, that's the thing. So that, that's the right. That's why they're less concerned about not it. just because the TV. Yeah, and apparently like, they were more annoyed with Van Hal, not because of his league position, because of the style of football. Not for football reasons, but because it was getting boring and they were losing sponsorship. So more from the money side rather than the style exactly. as such, exactly. um, although they're somewhat linked. But um, yeah. interesting. Well, this is, this is our frustration. It really is. It's the passion for the pod, though. That's got a nice ring to it. <laughs> um, talking of uh, another great pod, we often drop in a nice line for uh, for the Guardian uh, pod weekly, Football Weekly, which was great. And as we said, we went to the live event, and one of the things that it got us thinking about was um, were we just surrounded at the event by a bunch of football hipsters? And then we started mm. thinking, you know, what are football hipsters? And it's a term that can be used in different ways. And we actually referred to uh, a Guardian article on it, and... Um, I've been called a football hipster, but then when I read the article, when I read the article, it's uh, I don't think I am. So it defined football hipsters as people much like a standard hipster who, you know, likes to to kind of be quirky like an East Londoner to be considered slightly alternative, um, and by doing so, somewhat maybe at least artificially try and shun the kind of commercial clubs or the commercial side of football not for the same reasons that i do or in the same passion but um again just to kind of be different and quirky and pick clubs like dulwich hamlet where you can have a craft local beer and smoke in the stands etc and so on they've got some great causes there for the record on their their left-wing politics but that's another part of it support left-wing politics clubs to kind of almost be a, a fashionable liberal kind of guy um, but it also seems the same sort of shoreditch ships the style as trying too hard and mummy and daddy's trust fund and trying to go against that so um, you know it's, it's worth looking in the mirror and thinking are you a hipster I would argue I'm not a hipster I'm just a football fan who tries to see the logic who appreciates the beauty of the game rather than the money in the game and appreciates football at all levels even if I don't get to always follow it at all levels um, so I wouldn't consider myself one but I do so like to support my local team and uh, not because it's hip well I remember watching a episode of House actually um, and there was the scene was um, House and Wilson for anyone who's watched House you'll know who they are if not I can't be bothered to explain but anyway um, watch it it's great watch it it's great absolutely um, by the way House are not sponsoring us by the way we, we, we are pure truth no one's sponsoring us okay because um, so, no one wants to <laughs> well, well there is that but anyway yeah so so basically, um, House is conducting an interview for, to replace one of his staff, and some guy comes in, and he's got long hair, he's got the tattoos, and he goes, oh, yeah, man, I, I really like your house, because you're, co- you're controversial, you're different, just like me. And House turns around to him and says, if you want to be different, go cut your hair, 
get rid of the tattoos and wear pocket protectors like Wilson because I'd never seen a guy with long hair and tattoos ever. And that just reminds me of football, football hits us up. By trying to be different, you're going to be, you're, you're actually not different. Just be yourself. Yes. I mean, it's like, you know, grungers at school. And oh, yeah. They're, you know, they're trying to be alternative, but they're, they're just a different group. Yeah. And there's a, isn't, isn't, it's almost become a, a majority themselves. But, you know, for those who genuinely are trying to seek out experiences in football that are less commercial and also appreciate liberalism then i'm all for that as long as it's not just a bandwagon that's what i don't like yeah definitely i remember like um for example belgium used to be the hipster's choice and as we've discussed now all of a sudden they're a bandwagon they're a great side um when as we've seen that doesn't even hold up in the stats um i remember i think klopp uh, fans of klopp's also they, they were used to be hipsters um but again now he's just become a reputation man well, it's it's St. Pauli that are the uh, hipster club in Germany. Uh, they got they got some great things that they've done there, and you know I do appreciate when uh, football clubs do engage with their community in a positive way, and they put some some issues in a positive way. As long as they do remember that they are predominantly a football club, not a business, a football club. But anyway, there are some great things that have gone on at some of those. Okay, and that about wraps it up. So, um, really, we want to thank you, listeners, and we'd like you guys to spread the word. Um, you know, we were thinking we really should have, at the Guardian event, uh, made more of an effort to uh, spread the word and we hand did out. Them, to be fair. Yeah, it wasn't read out, but it wasn't a great tweet. It was all a bit last minute, to, to be honest. But hopefully you've enjoyed our pod. We will plan on doing um, at least a couple more, I reckon, in the Euros, at, yes, least, yeah. at least once. So, you know, do listen out for uh, the Euro specials. And quite frankly, we really do hope that you guys enjoy uh, the Euros. So it's Friday night and it will all start tomorrow night. Enjoy the Euros. <laughs>